Welcome to Week in Horror. You gotta be fucking kidding. The only podcast that will feed your horror need. The need to feed. With JL. Yeah, I'm a fucking masochist. I'll watch that shit. <laughs> Eugene. Somebody has to be the sex symbol. I'm sorry. Alex. Shit, I just demonetize this forever. And Johnny O. How do you like that shit? Got half within a monologue. <laughs> Before I'm meeting myself. Golly, it's one of them fucking days. <laughs> With industry guests. Hi, this is Richard Oakes, director of host. Hey, this is Adam Leader, director of host. This is Matthew Mark Hunter. Hi, I'm Don and Ellie. And you're listening to Weekend Horror. And you're listening to Weekend Horror. And this is Weekend Horror. And you're listening to Weekend Horror. Welcome to prime time, bitch! News, trivia, and more. One by one, we will take you. Join our live show Wednesdays at 7 central, youtube.com slash weekinhorror. And wherever you listen to podcasts, Week in Horror. Stay scared. Ha-ha! <laughs> 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 Welcome back, horror fans! It's Wednesday, and that means it's time for another episode of the Week in Horror podcast. The only podcast where the lucky ones die first. And if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast host, you can join us here for our live show here on YouTube. So you too can laugh and scream with us, flex your horror knowledge, and maybe even win some trivia prizes. This week, we are covering select films released in horror history, November 28th through December 4th. Thank you all so much for joining us. I am JL, and with me tonight are Eugene and Johnny O. What's up, everybody? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, the live chat is popping tonight. We got a little yeah. bit of a later start. We had a technical thing uh, that we had to deal with. Uh, but Yeah, it's called JL being late. It wasn't me being late. I was here since the beginning. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know how I know I was here since the beginning? Because I'm the one who sets up the damn stream. <laughs> so uh yes oh yes Wait. aaron reese it is time to pay attention <laughs> no it really is it's time just to go do whatever leave it running in the background and just go do whatever you're gonna do because this is true just just wait just wait till the trivia gets announced then you pop back for that yeah, one jump back on yeah yeah exactly. absolutely go. yeah <laughs> oh man oh, december 4th this one goes into december shut up this is the last month of the year baby it. this is yeah. it Twenty twenty two here we come. Oh this is wow, this year went by quick. Uh did it yeah. can you believe it though? I mean, yeah, it kind of did if you think it about it. Kind of did. I mean it, it, it was like it depended on the month. 2020 seemed to drag the fuck on because of the pandemic, and right. then 2021 came out and we slowly opened up and then like boom, boom fucking hell here we are 2022 jesus christ <laughs> oh and you think about that you think about it in terms into you know, like in the context of like time so we got one more month left in 2021 it's about to be 2022 and then after that is only nine months and we're in season four and why four, you want to hit the fast forward season- <laughs> you want to be able to fucking no take it slow down slow. jl's got this oh, he's got geez. it planned out for the next 10 years so like, look after year five we don't have new material no we do have new material it's just that we'll only be doing like one or two and one or two one movies in episode. <laughs> it's gonna be an in-depth breakdown right now we're talking about hey no it didn't no, no hopefully 
hopefully at this hopefully by the time we get to that point we'll be making movies steadily so we'll be covering our own shit when it comes to <laughs> have you guys seen the new eugene hawkins movie well check it out we've got him director direct to you from <laughs> like oh hey guys i haven't been here for the past 10 years but whatever yeah hey it's, me. <laughs> it's like directed by eugene hawkins uh, starring jl and johnny o so let's talk about what's wrong with this movie, right? So, <laughs> well, we already, we already, you know, we already talked about the first three things there. <laughs> All right. Well, yes. Uh, wow. This is the last episode of November, and then it gets takes us into December, and uh, we're recording this on Wednesday for everybody listening to this when it goes live on Sunday. We are recording this on Wednesday, so this is the day before Thanksgiving. So happy holidays, everybody. Hope everybody has a wonderful Thanksgiving tomorrow. And if you're listening to this on Sunday, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. So a uh, happy Thanksgiving from all of us. I here hope you had a lot of fights with your family. There, there you know is going to happen. You know it's going to no, happen. No, it won't be with me. No, not with you. Me. Yes, it will. You and your wife will be in some little argument. There's going to no, no, it doesn't happen. It has to. Or it's not. It's not really Thanksgiving. It's just not some sort of fight. Well, they actually no, they actually can't be because it's going to be me and her and her parents. That's it. So then there should be a fight. Some kind of that fight. absolutely won't be because her parents her parents love me. The only way there'd be a fight is if I was with my family. Because then it's going to be me and my brother, and then it's going to be me and my mother, uh-huh. and then it's going to be everybody. So then Jingles and what's the other dog's name? Shotzi. Shotzi are going to fight. Okay, they're going to get. <laughs> There's going. It's going to happen. It's not Thanksgiving unless people are fighting. No, I think it's it's just going to be a quiet evening because you know not it's going to be just four people. It's like four. May, there may there may be a fact. I don't, I don't know. Man, there's one person. There's one person going to be fighting with himself. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I so alone? Shut up! Shut up. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so I wish I, I hope everybody has a wonderful holiday from all of us here at Weekend Horror. Um, hope you all stay safe and uh, have a great uh, day tomorrow. Either watching football or spending time with family, or, or definitely if you're traveling, ten in space. If you are traveling currently, uh, be safe on the road and uh, yeah, have a fantastic uh, have a fantastic Thanksgiving. So you have a horrible Thanksgiving. Good. Let's see. Good. good. <laughs> Johnny O, the cynical one. Um, let's I'm kidding. I hope everybody has a great time, really. Eat all the food, Eat all the food that I can, so there you go. you got to look at the chat. He already got Nail Gun Seven still stapling. It, well, no, there's a bunch of them. There's some great ones in there. There's uh, Nail Guns, yeah, still stapling. And then Nail Gun 8, Destruction Worker. Nail Gun 9, Cock Blockers. <laughs> Nail Gun 7, I'm too old for this shit. Nail Gun 9 in space. <laughs> it's gonna take us nine movies to get to space. That's a good thing. That is a good. Well, that's a good thing. It took Jason ten movies. So it took Jason ten movies to get to space, but it only took Leprechaun four. Yep. It took yeah. Leprechaun yeah, and Critters four to get to space. Well, technically, Critters has kind of started in space. So I mean, oh. and then oh, okay. uh, let's see, was it uh, Hellraiser? Was four movies in space? Four movies into space. Yep. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else. That was it, right? No. Yes, Freddy has never been in space. Thank God. Freddie has not been to space. Um, who else hasn't been to space? Chucky hasn't been to space. Nope, Chucky hasn't been to space. Here. Michael hasn't been to space. Halloween is. Yeah, Halloween hasn't been to space. They didn't sell. They didn't celebrate Halloween in space. <laughs> Dracula's been in space though. Dracula's Dracula been, in space. been in space. Yeah. Frankenstein hasn't been in space. No, I know of. No, now there's the Invisible Man or Wolfman. None of them been in space. No. 
No, no, they have. Look, look at all these missed opportunities. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> we should just do a whole All right. Of, well, before we, before we kick off uh, with what we're going to talk about tonight uh, with, uh, with our selections tonight, let me see who is in the live chat currently. Uh, up first, we got Tony Regime. Good to see you. Oh, and, and whoop, whoop, I forgot to do this. Boom. There's our amazing patrons down there at the in the bottom well, scroll. When you do ticket. that, it covers up Eugene's cleavage. Well, I I have to show them. No, actually, it doesn't see. Look, oh, it yeah, it's true. Aha! Uh-huh. So That's there we go. Used to it. Had the there. I'll just tighten up the push-up bra. Don't worry about it. No, the Elvira boobs. Oh yeah, yeah, the Elvira. Boobs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yes. Oh, uh, so first up was Tony Regime. Good to see you, Tony Regime. Thank you for being here. Charlie Welch is second. Uh, the only man you never make a bet with on the internet. Good to see you, Charlie Welch. Um, but, but, and also I'm uh, one of our amazing patrons. Thank you so much, dude. Uh, yeah, there's Chris Durham news channel. He is in the house. Good to see you. He says my trivia question answer, Bob Keishan in the parlor with Mr. Green jeans close, but I guess you'll find out when we get to the trivia question. Glover mom is in the house. Good to see you. Glover mom says, hello, everyone. Hello to you. And oh, Charlie Welch had a trivia answer as well as Clara Peller of where's the beef fame. Where's the beef. <laughs> good to see you. oh and aaron reese is in the house good to see you um i think there was another one so there was there another oh yes tony regime said the answer to the trivia is the black sleep 1955 that's racist <laughs> <laughs> oh fantastic good to see y'all there and i see uh who else popped in here um oh it's just them because we started it took us a minute to start travis brown is in the house good to see you we already did the stuff did i try i know I, I didn't what do you mean i didn't know i'm answering his question <clears throat> oh i didn't see his brother anyway travis brown good to see you he says hey everyone good to see you travis brown and of course sarah velez good to see you sarah thank you for joining us tonight it's a pleasure Our to boy, have you you know Sarcasm is in the house. Another one of our amazing patrons. Good to see you, Sarcasm. Hello, everybody. Aaron Reese asks a very good question. I will get to his very good question. Nerd Journal's in the chat. Uh, in the chat. Good to see you, Nerd Journal and Jinju. Says hello, everyone. Good to see you, Jinju. Cindy Johnson's in the house. Good to see you, Cindy. And we're very glad you made it, Sarah. Elizabeth S26, another one of our amazing patrons. Says hey, guys. Plot hole. Week in horror. Hey, Elizabeth. Good to see you, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. Glad you're feeling well enough to join us. And Brendan Riley's in the house. It's good evening. Good evening, Brendan. And I think I got everyone so far. Nailgun said still stay. <laughs> that, that, okay, that's where that was coming from. Yeah. Okay. The, I thought you were making this up off the top of your head. I wasn't no, caught up with the, the chat. chat. Oh, no, <laughs> it's all side chat. chat. Yeah. That's fantastic. These guys are brilliant. Um, oh, the killer from Had This True. Aaron Reese. Um, what was it? No, Travis Brown. The killer from Hatchet has not been to space yet. This is true. He Technically, not. he has. Oh, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, Charlie <laughs> Welch says, technically, nobody's been to space. It's fake. Oh, <laughs> All right. And I think I got everyone. So Aaron Ray says, speaking of, when is Eugene going to take off his shirt like the cool kids? Do, do. So if you go if you go to weekend horror only fans, mm. then there'll be plenty of samples there. You know what's funny is I'm pretty sure there's a weekend horror only fans, only just spelled different. 
<laughs> I think about that one for a minute, didn't you? <laughs> That's funny. That's cute. All well, we right. With our calendar, also. Just... Mm-hmm. It's only got three months, though. Charlie yeah. Welch, Nail Gun 11, Boston or Milwaukee. <laughs> uh, I, I only get that one because I've worked in maintenance. Yep. <laughs> All right. And Travis Brown says, I have watched the new Ghostbusters Afterlife movie, and it is so good. I'm going to watch that one. I have heard amazing reviews about the new yes. Ghostbusters film. So the I'm really looking forward to it. Looks, I mean, looks good enough. And then oh, they've, yeah. got, they've got, of course, all the original uh, Ghostbusters are, who are alive. They're making appearances. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, so right. exactly. <laughs> so I, I saw that i saw that i don't okay i think I, I think i saw everybody yes i did get everybody so thank you all so much for joining us thank you to our patrons for joining us for the live stream it's so awesome to have you here we do appreciate it uh so before we jump into this i wanted to ask you guys so we're literally just over a month away now technically we're a month away a month away from christmas so the christmas season is soon to be upon us here in a few days because even though Thanksgiving is about like, you know, three days worth of time, you know, in grocery stores, because the Christmas stuff starts hitting right after Halloween. Um, Shit, I'm curious. Christmas stuff in August. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm serious. I was in so, Walmart and they had like the, they had the, the ornaments, the Hallmark ornaments for Christmas oh, already up. Oof. In August. So I yeah. want to ask, I want to ask you guys, what is your favorite? And because, you know, because all the movies we watch, but what is y'all's favorite? Christmas horror movie. Jingle all the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, Schwarzenegger and Sinbad. <laughs> you sure it's not Jack Frost? Oh. The Michael Keaton one? <laughs> <laughs> that that yeah. snowman was creepy as fuck. What my kids came home for, hey, look at my family friend. Like, no, the fuck that's not. <laughs> I'm here to help you. No, go away, bats. No, you can go help the family down the street. <laughs> I am kidding. And definitely let, us, definitely let us know in the live chat what y'all's favorite Christmas horror film is because there are many. And I used to have, I, I have to tell you, I my favorite, my original favorite was Silent Night, Deadly Night. I always, because it was, it took, it's such a, it's such a twist on Santa. Obviously, you know, came in the 80s and it was good, like, it, and the fact yeah. that it was received so garbage day. No, that's part. That's no, part that's two. Part yeah, two. That's, that's part, part two. Part of the same. But yeah, so part of the same deal. But still, the first one was just like what? I mean, it blows your mind. It's yeah. kind of like dude, nobody expected that. And when you when your movie opens up with a Santa raping and murdering the parents yeah. of a little boy, it's kind of like what the. So that was always, always been. But I recently came across another one that I, I had to watch because I, I hadn't heard of it. I hadn't come across it before, and that was. Uh, once upon a time at Christmas, which is another evil, which is another evil Santa one. Mm-hmm. That one was, I mean, I don't know how that one slipped by me because I think everyone was so focused on Silent Night Deadly Night that nobody really picked this one up. But Once Upon a Time at Christmas was hardcore, and I gotta say that that one um, is, is t- kind of taking the top spot. I know that there are other ones. There's ones that I enjoy, uh, like you I'm know, um, a, a Christmas horror story. No. Krampus was good. Scrooge is not a horror story. The fuck it is, and you are so full of shit. It absolutely is. It Bill has Murray has ghosts. Bill Murray was in Ghostbusters, which is technically a horror film, a horror movie. That's right? Ghostbusters, but mm-hmm. I, but Scrooge. But you can't say Scrooge Bill Murray. Is a comedy. Is it, so therefore, it can't be. No, 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 Scrooge is a comedy. 
Yeah, uh, it's a black comedy. Horror. Technically, it's a, technically a black comedy. Yeah, that's racist. <laughs> <laughs> acid, no, it, it is acid brain. Is, yeah, come on. <laughs> what was it? Scrooge. <laughs> Inter- international terrorism. What does it have to do with the movie? Might scare the dickens out of people. <laughs> oh, oh, Sir Catherine says favorite horror Christmas movie is Elf with Will Ferrell. <laughs> that scene where he uh he he's in the shower room. Now, first and foremost, how many you sit on a throne of lies? Yeah, how many places have a shower? Like, oh hey guys, uh, I know you work here. Make sure you take a shower here too. Maybe that's a New York thing, but I have never worked at a place where you could get uh, ready for work at work. Hey, hey, Robert Caslow, good to see you. This was up horror globe tarred heretics. <laughs> That's pretty much what we are. Good to see you, Robert Caslow. Chris Durham has a bone to pick with you. Ghostbusters is horror. Technically, yes, it is. It's a horror comedy. Oh, he's got you there. Yeah, horror comedy. Yep. Yes, it is. Yep. So, yeah, but um, I, I mean, I'm looking. Oh, Elizabeth S26, Gremlins. You know, you know, they're they're the they're the Elvira boobs that come in whenever you uh, put the comments. That's where there it is. There we go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Gremlins is. If you ever read like the original, it's much more frightening than what we got on screen. Mm-hmm. Like, sure. if you read the part where they're talking about you know, when when Billy comes home and they're playing soccer in the or they're kicking a ball around in the the Christmas tree, the Gremlins are. Like originally, that was supposed to be his mother's head. Like, was, <laughs> damn, that's yeah, awesome. it was that fucking. It was you know, like, dark. No shits given. Uh, Travis Brown says my favorite one is "All Through the House" from Tales from the Crypt. I think that's the one where that. Larry, where Larry Drake played the psychotic Santa, like the escape mental, the, the escape mental patient that dressed as Santa, and it and was basically it was kind of like a home invasion attack, mm. but it was Santa, yeah, and um, it's attacking her and her daughter. Um, uh, bad Santa, sarcasm. Bad Santa. <laughs> Santa's sleigh should get some should get some play because Goldberg was amazing. In Santa's was, yeah. sleigh. <laughs> the whole movie was just stupid, right? But it was it's, it's just, one of those it ones so that's like a fun soft. kind of stupid. Yeah, Santa is the Antichrist who was condemned to a thousand years of delivering presents and joy because he lost a curling match against an <laughs> angel. <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly. It's how stupid it is. But again, it's fun. When you, the when, idea... opening, when the opening when the opening scene is killing Fran Drescher. <laughs> Fran Drescher, a bunch of uh, sorry, uh, that's gonna sound so bad. A bunch of Jewish people. Yeah, it's gone. Right. Fran Drescher, yeah. Stia, yo, uh, 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 Chris Kattan. It's just it's just a, a family full of Jewish people yeah. celebrating Christmas. Yeah. And he pops in there and kills everyone <laughs> in related ways. Yeah. Sets her on sets Fran Drescher on fire and drowns her in eggnog, yep. which is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. <laughs> so many, so many things wrong with that movie. It's just <laughs> if you were to put that movie to some fucking PC film, people would be like. 
<laughs> like Saul Ru- like like Saul Rubenstein plays the Jewish butcher who get or the butcher who did who it's, it's not a kosher butcher shop either gets yeah. killed by Santa. I mean, uh, this, it's so it's so absolutely brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sarcasm says, I am jealous of Will Ferrell. He acts like an eight-year-old and gets paid millions. I just get fired. That's true. Some people got it. This is true. Um, Oh, Glober Mob says, Home Alone. It is scary that Macaulay Culkin is 41 years old Fucking hell, I know. Tell me about it. This is the thing with Home Alone. Home Alone is a solid movie for kids. (laughs) It absolutely is. I mean, it, it really is. And a lot of those traps are actually lethal. You see, you've seen that video. There's oh, a video yeah. on YouTube which 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 put those actual te- actual like traps through the you know through the test. That paint can I would kill like, him up there. They did the they did the ballistics on that. <laughs> it's like if you took a full paint can to the face from that height, yeah. you're talking it's like straight brain damage at minimum. Yeah. Black. Yeah. He's like fractured skull, and then they get knocked down the stairs, and then they go know. down the stairs. <laughs> and yeah. and I mean, there's other, I mean, other stuff. They, what was interesting is that they tested the blowtorch on the door handle. That actually wouldn't happen. It would actually set the interior of the door on fire yeah, because yeah. door handles aren't built that way. Right. So the heat would transfer to the interior insulation of the door and set that on fire, and then the door would catch fire. But then you got stuff like yeah, he just cracks it. Of course, the, my favorite moment in it is when the tarantula is on his on his on uh, Joe Pesci. And Daniel Stern's got the crowbar. He's like, just don't move. He's like, <laughs> you know, I had we had to like Marv. Yeah. What are you doing, Marv? What are you, Marv? <laughs> he just gets so scared. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> because he was he was knocked out, right? He was knocked out, and then. <laughs> the scene right before that where Macaulay Culkin had to put the spider onto onto Marv. Mm-hmm. Uh what's his name? Couldn't do it. He's Daniel Stern. Afraid. Daniel Stern could not do that. So he's deathly afraid of spiders. <laughs> like so they had to film it in reverse and then add this guy. I don't I don't know. something about adding the screen in later because yeah, it just he said he was he yeah. Oh, Aaron Reese says that scream from yeah. Marv was legit. He just freaked the fuck reaction is like, what are you doing? It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Marv, what are you doing? And he just, he just stoves his chest in with that crowbar. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would hurt. That would hurt like a mother. Yeah. Oh, yeah, jerk. <laughs> Joe, oh, Pesci, Joe Pesci got in so much trouble with Christopher Columbus because he wouldn't stop cursing on set. Really? Yeah, like Chris Columbus had a poem. like, dude, you know Macaulay Culkin is like seven years old. You need to chill out. What the fuck are you well, talking I about? You <laughs> just, just come off of two Martin Scorsese films. Right. Yeah. That is Joe fucking Pesci. <laughs> I mean, come on. Oh, yes. Yeah, so Tony Regime is correct. Macaulay could have called the police at any time. He wanted to torture and kill the wet bandits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's true. God, that was hilarious. Robert, uh, Ryan and Ann, good to see you. He says, I, I'm here. Sorry, I'm late, but I'm here trying to cannibalize some survivors on DVD to unlock Leatherface's secret masks. Uh, on Death by Daylight uh, video okay. game there. So oh, yeah, that's okay. what he's trying to do. So I'm he's playing Dead, Dead by Daylight. 
Good what to see you. Doing? What are we doing here? What are we doing here? We we bullshitting about fucking Home Alone and Macaulay Culkin. We talking about horror films. Yes, we are talking about horror films. God, Let's I, do it. Just, it, it was, yeah. I haven't revisited Home Alone in a long time. It was nice to reminisce. I know. We got Home Alone and we have Christmas Vacation. Those are staples in this house during Christmas time, uh, because. Oh. I mean, the iron, the iron off the ironing board, iron in the face oh, from two stories up. Oh yeah, yeah. that's what fuck somebody else. Yeah, because <laughs> it was the iron. That's why he had. That's why he had the <laughs> iron triangle. on his forehead. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Not to mention how quickly the uh, foot would become infected from stepping on that nail. On that nail. <laughs> oh, it wasn't like oh. a little nail either. It was a fucking four-inch nail. <laughs> it literally it goes. Four-inch I mean, roofing nail. He's watching this. <laughs> oh it reminds me it reminds me very well and then of course i love the hallmark uh, there was a throw when you're watching uh horror film uh you're next and yeah. you're next had a beautiful had a beautiful i think it's a it's kind of a throwback there because she puts the board with the nails in it too far forward so that the guy coming to the window looks and he sees it and he's like, ha ha, you know, you put it too far forward. So he steps closer in, but there's another board he doesn't yeah. see and he yeah. steps right through that bitch. Yep. And it's like, he, it straight impales his foot that he can't get rid of it. He's yep. like, God damn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yes, Brendan Riley. In Vietnam, they were called punchy sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they go against the Geneva Convention too. So, so. <laughs> oh, and I saw Commander Darklight has joined us. Says, "Hey guys, good Black to see you, Commander Darklight, one of our amazing patrons, one of our earliest patrons as well." Yeah. Hey, by the way, you too can become a patron. You just follow the links in the description box below for a little a dollar, one dollar, one dollar. Yeah, Probably, so just, just a minimum. It's like a dollar a month. Yeah. Yeah, and you get access. You get access to the uh, to the patron stuff, to the uh, to the exclusive patron channel in the Discord, and you get early access, uh, or did you get early access to the to the productions that we make, like you know films that we do or whatever, right. you know the stuff that we produce outside, you know, under the banner of Weekend Horror, but outside of the show, and then of course your name here on the banner as one of the amazing supporters of our show. Yep. So yes, you are correct. And Lavender Mexican hey. is here. It says hola, hola, Lavender Hello. Mexican. Hello. I was just reminded of the there's a girl that does captain. The, there's a girl that does the voice of Dora. Hola. May uh Mayama Dora. Mayama Dora. And then she Dora, but then how people, you sound like the whitest of white people. But people around her, she'll do the voice, but then people will be like, will, will get annoyed with her and throw shit at her and hit her. <laughs> have you not seen this? I have not seen it. I haven't seen it either. <laughs> She was in the kitchen while her parents were making, when her mom's making lunch. And she starts doing like the Mayama Dora. And she's like, I would like a sandwich. It's in Espanol. It's like this. And she turns around and her, her mom just, did you see a oh, sandwich? Oh, I have seen yes. it. <laughs> she gets fucked up by a pie. Like, it's, it's, like, it's not like it's just like a. Like someone pushes on her face, she turns. It's like boom! It just hits her, hits her, and her out. head, her head like snaps back. With yeah, it's impressive. Her brother did the same thing when he threw a book at her and hit her in the face with a book. It looks like her head's gone. <laughs> oh, it's good stuff. Oh, and I thought you said yes, Tiny Captain. Good to see you, Tiny Captain. Says hi, guys. And of course, up oh, Beaver C. Oh wait, Beaver C's not here. Sorry, Beaver C. I didn't mean to point you out. Um, good. 
All right. And oh, see, look at this. We had amazing people join. And Thor Rasmussen's is good morning, good you scary people. Good to see you, Thor Rasmussen. Good morning. Hey, Thor, your shirt will be. I need your shipping information because I have your shirt ready. And so, yeah, well, that's good because. Oh, oh, Aaron Reese says, I take it FTFE just let out. So I think, yeah, probably. All right. Yes. But we do have some movies to talk about. We, I mean, the whole pr- point and purpose of the show is to talk about horror movies um, and ones that released this week. So, Eugene. Why don't you kick us off? What do we have up first? All right. So the first horror movie we have today is Home Alone released. (laughs) (laughs) This what you did there. (laughs) Was it was it who directed that? This Christopher Columbus. Uh, Christopher Columbus. This Christopher Columbus nightmare came to us in the uh, (laughs) (laughs) dark universe. A jigsaw Uh in training. It should reveal that he's a collector or this jigsaw or something like that. The very right on it, but actually, um, so the first movie we got today is called Transmutations, also known as Underworld, not the Kate Beckinsale one, but beforehand. Too bad. I know. Love me some Kate Beckinsale, mm. and it was released November 29th, nineteen eighty-five. It was directed by George Pavlov, and it stars. Delholm Elliott, Miranda Richardson, Stephen Burkhoff, Larry Lamb, and Art Malik. And nicely, basically, nicely done. Oh, thank you. Well, well, I, I, I practice. You study. Oh, I was gonna say you study. Yeah, golf clap. Golf clap. Well, well done. Thank you. If you give me John Smith, I'll fuck it up. But... Uh, that would be Jahan. Jahan <laughs> You English can niggas. <laughs> That's racist. <laughs> <laughs> and basically what ends up happening is you have a private eye who is basically investigating put up against mutants that are trying to get a drug from a mad scientist. Mm. And shit gets real. There it is. Boom. <laughs> yes, it absolutely oh, does. We gotta, have, we gotta have that. We gotta figure that out. Like the thing, the graphic. The... Yeah, it has to be like shit gets real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we gotta figure that one out. <laughs> so th- this was this was an interesting one. And uh, one thing that well, one thing that has to be pointed out is part of like you know we, when you're when we're doing the breakdown that it must be noted at first that this movie was written by Clive Barker. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which I found to be very, very interesting. Um, and I dug... Okay, I, I, I want to see... I want to check with the old guys. Watching this thing, you know, and realized... Like, oh, holy shit, because it came up in the credits. I was like, holy shit, right? Oh, it was written by Clyde Barker. 85, two years before Hellraiser. And, of course, um, I think uh, four... I think five five or six years before Nightbreed. Mm-hmm. And I suddenly realized while watching this thing, there's hallmarks of Nightbreed all over this movie. Oh, absolutely yeah. on it. It, it. It's almost like Clive Barker <laughs> is trying stuff out. And sometimes right, you get right. it, you'll get it in certain movies where people will kind of sprinkle in something just to see if it would work. And it's like, a, oh, okay, yeah, actually this really does work. And then you can dive into it like really hard the next time. But I think it's just there's like a little bit of, little bit of nuggets here and there that you can kind of pick up on. Absolutely. 
it, 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 and it wasn't just the idea. It was the it wasn't just the idea. The idea of okay, we'll say the idea of a of a of like this mutated um, civilization living underground, out of sight of normal people, and they have their own kind. Of, they, that was expanded greatly in Nightbreed. So that where they actually have their own society, their own culture, their own you know mythology and everything that they believe in, and uh, living out of sight of human beings. Well, this was like an early, like kind of like the earlier sense of this one. And I think there was two. There was two things that stood out in this one. The big thing about Clive Barker, and you understand, because we've talked at length in the past, in past episodes of Week in Horror, about Clive Barker's upbringing, and the fact that you know he always felt like, you know, throughout his formative years, he always felt like an outsider. He was never really himself, you know, like you know, because because um, of you know just who he is, and he, he never felt like he fit in. So he always felt like one, kind of one of his creations on the outside. And Nightbreed reflects this the, the most, that even as an outsider able to find his own society. Well, in Transmutations, you have that kind of same idea, this race of creatures that was created by this unfeeling scientist played by, uh, um, played by Denel. Yeah. And they require this drug in order, to in order to survive. And so they are dependent upon the evil thing that made them or the thing that they perceive as unjust. So they depend solely upon him. This is kind of his reflection because Barker had a parochial upbringing. And so in his eyes, his relationship with God being that, why would he make me like this to feel this way? In order to chastise me. In order to, and then, but I'm dependent upon him because he's the maker of everything. So right. I honestly believe that in, in, in on his face, in, on its face, it may appear like just your classic like evil scientist story. Right. I honestly think transmutations or underworld that this was him working out some shit. You can't look at anything Clive Barker without at first recognizing that it's all self-reflective. Everything, right, yeah. especially in, in the, especially in his uh, horror books, that is all self-reflective. That is all how he has dealt with internal conflict. You have to look at it through that lens. If you don't, you're missing half of the movie, or you're missing half of the of the plot of the story, or the point. I mean, definitely because it has to provide some kind of catharsis, some kind of release, some kind of because he likes to create the other, the other society. Right. Ronnie, even when you start <laughs> going into things like the Hellraiser and the Cenobites and all this other kind of stuff. It's always these people who are outside. There's usually something wrong with them, whether they're mutated um, or they're cursed or anything like that on it, because most artists, they draw from what they know. And that was and, something know, uh, that he can relate yeah. to. You know, being, uh, and of course, being gay at the time that he was, I mean, because he's been gay his whole life, but he wasn't openly gay until the 90s when he was able to accept that part of himself. So this is the 80s. This is him making his way in the industry in the 80s, you know, as a writer and then as a director with Hellraiser. Right. And, and then, you gotta, and, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You, I mean, no one at that time, especially, you know, with, you know, with the with what was going on with the AIDS epidemic, with the beginning yeah, of the AIDS epidemic, exactly what bring up, yeah. no one this is not something that could be openly known. There may have been people who knew who just kind of kept it, who just like, you know, kept a secret because that could have ended his career. So all his life, his parochial upbringing as a child in England, in, in London, 
So his his uh, his religious upbringing, knowing who he was, but unable to accept it, rejected by society, no place, being forced to go essentially underground so he could be himself. And you see that coming out the out, you know, like you know, especially in Nightbreed, which is why I think that this is what Transmutations was. Transmutations, and I think someone else was mentioned. Robert Kirkman did the same thing. Yes, Aaron Reese mentioned. We, uh, Robert Kirkman said he loved trying plots that he could never do in the Walking Dead graphic novels by way of the show. Mm-hmm. I imagine other creators do the same, and absolutely they do. You can mm-hmm. see um, Vince Gilligan. Vince Gilligan was a huge, uh, was obviously the creator of Breaking Bad, creator of Better Call Saul. But for like I think seven years, Vince, or maybe even longer. Vince Gilligan was one of the primary writers on the X-Files. And scattered through the X-Files are little bits and pieces of Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. So if you like, like if you binge the X-Files and go watch Breaking Bad, you can see the parallels that Vince Gilligan was playing with. I want to know for the record that I have chosen to leave the obvious Gilligan's Island joke alone. <laughs> I mean, not, not it has been noted. So yeah, uh, reset. Reese also Aaron Reese also says Barker spent a lot of time with those who engage in alternative sexual lifestyle. So a lot of his work is hyperbole for those individual situations. Yep. Exactly. The actual yo how the how the yeah. There's a reason why the Cenobites are in BDSM right, get up. Right. It's not because oh that looks cool. No, it's because he was trying to say something. Uh, he was talking about you know the re- reason why that the original um, uh, Frank when he appears comes from under the ground you know the the symbolism that is all throughout his film his, his filmography and and uh, his novels his novellas it's you have to be able to recognize the symbology of what he's putting the symbology symbology <laughs> what, what's the symbology there <laughs> uh, and we also have to recognize that he's very good at Namiology. There it is. <laughs> oh man, we were talking about those movies earlier, so I had to throw that in there. <laughs> and so it, it, I found it. I found it. I mean, obviously, this this very early incarnation of of Clive Barker's, you know, his style and what he was trying to say, and the of course the personal things that he was working out, mm-hmm. and just kind of like this is where he was at. And I love that he was able to that he found this outlet to express himself in this way until. The industry, while while being more progressive than most, right than, than most industries, he was able to be openly express, openly you know, you know, he was able to be open about who he actually is, who he is, mm-hmm. and say, yeah, this is who I am, this is me, because you know, and still it was it would be years later, this is eighty five, it wasn't until the nineties that he was able to actually you know come out and express, you know, and say, yeah, this is who I am, and I just you know. Watching him go through this, and then of course, what Nightbreed followed after when he really got to dive into it and yeah. tell, and that because that you could tell how personal that story was to him. So I found that interesting. This aspect of Clive Barker, but he also touches on something else that Neil Gaiman touched on. Punch that mic. Oh, sorry, Neil Neil uh, Neil Gaiman touched on, and that is this film, like Neil Gaiman's work, uh, Neverwhere. Is also the the this idea of this reflection of the British underground, because it's not just a matter of being underground yourself because you're not accepted by everybody else because you're different. It's also because that whole underground life and everything like that. How, we were talking about it earlier. How how best to put this? I think it's a reflection of like early class system. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. When, yeah. When the monarchy was still in power, you had those who lived in the states, right? We have a similar underground in the states, but we don't, 
we acknowledge it, right? We 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 talk about it. I mean, maybe there was I don't maybe I don't know. Looking at the history of it in the states, but definitely I think in the the British underground is um, is a byproduct of the old class system uh, in the in you know lords and servants and peasants and whatnot. And that's where I think in, in that where, where Clive Barker was kind of uh, it was a reflection of this and what he was is saying. I think that's because that mentality, that mm-hmm. kind of class system mentality, is so ingrained in the history of England right. that. It's it's it literally it's per, it, it, that is their history. That's who they are. Mm-hmm. And so at one time you had the royal family. You had those who were in power. Then you had those that worked their lands. Then you had those that were outside of that. And so the idea that now just like in England, just like here in like Las Vegas and New York, in New York you have the mole people, the people that live amongst New York's you know labyrinth of tunnels and so you know abandoned subway rails stuff like this. You have the, the people who live there, the mole people. And then you've got the same thing in Vegas. Vegas has a massive underground, you know, drainage system that is huge. Uh, that's part of stable. <laughs> that I mean, it was huge. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> but Aaron Reese said, "Oh, we can just say it." Margaret Thatcher versus, versus the old crowd. <laughs> <laughs> and so these individuals, you know, they make a life a life for themselves underground. We acknowledge them as Americans. We acknowledge them. We know that they're there. They're they're essentially a part of the culture in England. They really don't like to acknowledge them. And just like in in transmutations in Underworld, these creatures, you know, were dependent upon the uh, the the uh, what was upstairs, the, the evil scientist who lives above ground, were dependent upon him. But although nobody would acknowledge them, nobody wants to acknowledge these the existence of these beings until forced to. And then the same thing goes for Neverwhere, only in Neverwhere. They pretty much subsist off of the leavings of the of the upside of the of, of the of the uh, of the streets above, and even when they come up, even when you know people from the Neverwhere come up onto the streets, nobody recognizes. Oh, sorry, nobody recognizes them or knows them because they oh, and they'll just pass right by them and not because they don't want to see them. Well, I mean, if you're going if you're going back to the class system where you talk about like feudalism, you have serfs and then you have the lords and all this other kind of stuff. You're not going to have a duke that's going to go interact with the serf on the land. It just doesn't. Right. It just doesn't. It does not happen. Most serfs they would know the name, but probably could never even meet face to face in a lifetime on it because the even the lower level lords. So you say like a baron or something, they don't want to deal with them. They they just they don't they're they're trying to raise their own ranks and their own stock and everything and they they're going to tax the serfs they're going to get their food from the serfs they're going to do they're going to provide all the substance that the lords need but they do they don't they legitimately don't want to they don't want to we'll acknowledge but they Steve over there they're dirty they're they even made a law where you couldn't if you were a serf you couldn't wear expensive clothes so that people could easily identify what class you belong to. Right, on it to just to divide <laughs> the class even further. Who's he? I don't know. He must be a king. How can you tell? Because he ain't got shit all over him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, ab- absolutely. I think, and I, that's why. I mean, there was more. Even though it's a simple story, it, and it was a decent story. Transmutation is not a bad little flick. I, I enjoyed it. It was good, classic. You know. 80s fair kind of evil science deal. I love the evil scientist yeah. trope. It's good. Sarah it's has brought up Chud a few times, and it does. You know, you oh, can okay. there you go. Yeah. Yeah. connections between those. 
And I did see another one of our patrons jumping in. Saw NANAs in the house. NANAs in the house. It says Nate Margaret Thatcher naked on a cold day. Margaret Thatcher uh, naked on a cold day. Margaret Thatcher naked on a cold day. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm done. (laughs) So good to see you, NANA. So glad you could make it. And Elizabeth uh, Elizabeth S26 says, "Um, "Nice seeing you. I'll stay till my phone is almost dead." So I hope you uh, I hope uh, you can hang with us as long as you can. I do appreciate it, Elizabeth. But yeah, I found it interesting that you know this is it's a it's a good little film. I mean, it's cute. I enjoy, I, I like the oh, and wrote it no less names in the house. Good to yep. see you wrote it no less name. Yeah, the the Eloy and the oh um, yeah, Morlock. the Morlocks going back to the Morlocks. That was uh yeah. um, the time H G Wells. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I really that and being so being so prevalent in their society. I could see why it would be a big factor, especially amongst writers who kind of feel like you, I would say, would you look, I mean, you look at the, what they, the, the, their products, what they, what they write about would yeah, individuals definitely feel like outsiders, which both of them expressed that they did. They very much felt that way in their youth and their formative years. They're always kind of inside their own heads, never really fit in, you know, and this is, a, this is where their creativity has taken them by being able to tell stories that reflect you know, their understanding of the society that they were raised in. And I, that's why I really, I really dug this movie. It's, it's deeper than it appears. Once you start really digging into the behind the scenes of it and kind of the inspirations that went into it, the reflections of British culture at the time, especially in the eighties, you know, and then of course um, the idea the uh, the old classic evil scientist trope. I love evil scientist trope all the way back to, you know, going all the way back to Frankenstein or the scientist that, goes too far or whatever they, in that respect yeah, i always yeah. think frankenstein dr jekyll mr hyde right yeah. um yeah all those yeah that's a an older trope for certain everybody's always been afraid of science <laughs> science is such oh. a science is such a mystery yeah. <laughs> uh, i mean if, if you if you think back on it religion's been around way longer we don't have to we're not gonna dive totally into religion thing but the, you have that just explain things and then you have the scientists that come out and as technology changes suddenly it becomes scary Ooh. Scientists dealing with electricity, scientists throwing ideas, these theories out there. And as with horror, what if somebody goes too far? That's the question we ask about everything. All right. Aaron Ray says there was also a pride in being stiff upper lip or being stiff upper lip proper from buckling down during World War II that carried on for decades. Punk and alt cultures were a direct and oppositional reaction to that Mm -hmm. very. And yeah, the the counterculture rise in the the 60s and the 70s here in America as well. Stadio basically just directly opposing the father knows best, leave it to beaver. You know, kind of mentality of of that generation, and just like, no, it, it doesn't need to be this way. There's no. That was definitely a bleed bleed over from that that mm-hmm. British oh, underground, right. like the punk underground movement that made it over here in the seventies and in, in New York underground movements. Absolutely. Well, because I mean, you have you have time change. You have the system that's been around for almost a thousand years, right. yeah. and you did not have a choice. You were poor. You're going to work the land, and that's you're just, poor. You're going to be poor. Yeah, you're poor. Yeah. You're always going to be that way. As you have a rise of middle class, and you start getting into the 1900s, where that system is crumbling. Uh, the monarch has less power. You, the dukes are more of a. It's more of a title thing right. than an actual. Like you raise an army to go do whatever, and so you start getting this new generation that's they're more educated, and they're going. So I don't want to be poor. I want. I want to do this instead. I don't, I don't want to fit into the system. And so you have that huge counterculture that comes in. It's a new people that they don't want to be a part of it. 
Right. All right. Sarah Vela says, but even with those, they were never really evil scientists. They had good intentions, but forgot the old adage, just because you can do a thing doesn't mean you should do a thing. Hmm. Hmm. Because your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop thinking they should. They should. They should. They always should. <laughs> Aaron Reese. No, they should not be dinosaurs. No. No. No, don't make dinosaurs. Don't, don't, don't make, make dinosaurs. dinosaurs. There's five movies of why you shouldn't make dinosaurs. <laughs> and the sixth one is coming out next year. Yes. Six movies of why you don't make dinosaurs. Please don't make dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, they did release the first five minutes of the new Jurassic World movie out there. Oh, so if you want to go, if you want to YouTube, you can watch it first. There's like five, six minutes of it. But I will say, on this particular one, I think people will enjoy it. Um, I dug it. It's a, it's, it's well shot. It's just a well constructed movie. You know, just classic. You know, a good classic techniques and a fun story. And obviously, when you start digging, you know, it mean this story meant a lot to to several people. You could tell that they they went full bore on this one. And I like seeing Denholm in that evil role. Just you know, that, that kind of like that that wildness. I I like seeing actors step out of their shells and doing stuff like that like and knowing that, that, that knowing that this knowing that this came from clive barker was really really important so i yeah you know, i dug that i really did so definitely which, check this out one. yeah which i really want to ask the audience who is your favorite evil scientist there's so many out there on it, whether it could be a scientist who maybe they have good intentions and then all of a sudden they kind of get drifted towards evil, or maybe they're just evil from the get-go and they just don't give a fuck. Who is your favorite evil scientist? Kevin Bacon. From Hollow Man? That's like a Hollow Man? Yeah. Yeah. He fucking, I mean, he takes that nosedive. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is why we don't do human experimentation. This is why we don't do it. <laughs> We do not just jump to human trials. <laughs> my my favorite works on the fucking. If it didn't work on the goddamn gorilla, why the fuck are we doing it on Kevin Bacon? <laughs> my favorite um, is probably always going to be Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Mm. Um, I've always dug the duality of human beings, yep. you know, and I like that. Um, Herbert, oh, Aaron Race brought up Herbert West. Yes, Herbert West from Reanimator. Reanimator. He's a close, close second yep. because that's the example of just because I can doesn't mean I should. But I always like just with uh, with Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, it was about the duality of humanity. Yep. And that's where it's exp- exploring that. You know, we can do that's one thing. The we, monster is inside of you. Yeah, right. That, that, the, 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 always this, been, yeah. And I always dug I always dug that concept. And that was huge to me. So um, we got some other ones. What about yours, uh, Eugene? Uh, I'm going to have to go a little bit more of a comedic route and Dr. Strangelove. Mm. Oh, okay. that is because he has some of the best moments. I love the pack. It's like, Fior, I can walk. And he has to like put his like, hand down. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I love at the very end where they're just like, you know, where they're kind of like, they're all, they're all sad and depressed. And it's like, well, you know, this is it. This is the, the doomsday machine is going to go off. And he's like, but think about it. We have to repopulate the earth. And the, all the politicians are like, we're going to have to use young, supple women to repopulate the earth. Absolutely. And he sells the entire room on the idea. It's okay to let the world in. <laughs> All right. Got some other ones. Travis Brown got some love for Herbert West and Aaron Reese Will, or love for Herbert West. Um, either one, Aaron Reese Booker movie doesn't matter. Um, and he says Willy Wonka. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that was uh, the. Uh, Precursor to Snowpiercer. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's true. Yeah. Gin Juice is Dr. Moreau mm. or nice. Mandark. It's a toss up. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Nerd. Tony Regimes is Dr. Phoebes. And Chris Darmuchos is Dr. Bob. Mm. Dr. Bob. Robert Caso says Frankenstein. Yep. Uh, Sir Caso, nice. there's some Herbert Westlove, Reanimator Rocks. Absolutely. All but a bunch of good ones. Really, really good ones. Who is that? And Annie, it was Sarah Velez says. Sarah Velez says, The Island of Dr. Moreau, played by Bar- Marlon Brando. And, and Annie says, Sarah, that guy was fucked. Um, Yo, Travis Brown says Doc Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2 Though not a horror film, but absolutely Because that film was amazing But yes, um, Alfred Molina was amazing As Dr. Octopus The power of the sun in my hand So yeah Dr. Joseph Heider From the centipede That was yeah. Aaron Reese, Dr. Goldfoot With his amazing bikini machine (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, oh, Jinju Jin says I gotta change my vote to Dexter from Dexter's Lab. Such a great cartoon. That's a good cartoon. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Uh, fantastic stuff. All right. Okay. Is it time for the stupidest movie on this list? <laughs> so stupid. This movie. So stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Which is interesting because your opinion differs from a lot of people's opinions on this. I think so, but let's just do it. Here we go. 1987, we saw a movie. Uh, well, you probably didn't see this movie, but the movie, The Video Dead, came out. It's a horror film written and directed by Robert Scott, starring Roxanne Aguasen. The screenplay concern. It's so stupid. It's so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> So unsolicited television is delivered to somebody's house. This television acts as a portal for zombies to come into the real world. Yes. That's the real plot. Yeah, you gotta let that... So zombies come out of this movie, but they don't think they're zombies. They think they're just weird-looking people, I guess, but they can't stand the sight of themselves in the mirror. I wish I were making this up. This sounds like a really bad fever dream, and I think this is exactly what it was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the actor is hilarious. Okay, so look. Okay, um, okay, you, 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 you poisoned the well so badly. <laughs> did I, okay, I, or did I just, or did I just describe the movie? Okay, no, no. Okay, hang on a sec. Yeah, you, yes, you kind of described the movie. How about you know, the, the movie could be described as this as, as this as well? Let's let's hear a your supernatural a supernatural tell a supernatural television. Let's hear your fucking fairy tale unicorn fart version of this. A supernatural television is delivered unwitting or is unwittingly delivered to a home. The television plays a never-ending movie called Zombie Blood Nightmare. And also acts as a portal for the ghouls within to enter our world. How is that any different than what I said? It still sucks. Eugene, <laughs> who's doing? Who's doing your trailer here? Who's who's right? Who's right? Yeah, your no, 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 Come no, on, yeah, you're doing Come a trailer. On. You're doing okay. a trailer because your sounds, uh, your sounds uh, veiled. Mine, I'm being honest. Like this movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm. 
there are things that I like to piss off. There's too, there's too much. Olaf would like to point out. There's too much hesitation in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are some, there are some like decent moments, like when you see them actually coming through the TV, and it has like great the special effects. effects are good. The makeup yeah, effects, yeah, great, effects yeah. are really, they're really good. I yes. love the way they come out on TV. And you have like lightning bolts and all those other kinds of stuff on it. I don't know. <laughs> If I could describe it to make it good, like oh. I mean, just think of it this way, right? So you're you're you know you're you're at school, and one of your buddies comes up and says, "Hey, man, I saw this really cool movie, right? It's a movie about this television where zombies come out of it." And you're like, "Why do the zombies come out of the television?" I don't know. Because okay, it's supernatural TV. Supernatural TV. That's it. Okay, so do the zombies eat flesh? Not once throughout the entire movie. Yes, they do. Yes, the they do. They eat themselves. No, 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 no. When she has, she has the dream about the zombie eating her hand. Yeah, but that's a dream, so it's not really the zombie doing it. Okay? And then one of the zombies eats them. Eats the other zombie because they go crazy and they eat each other. Yeah. Well, oh wait, how do they defeat them? How do they defeat the zombies? They put them in a room together. They lock them in a small space. <laughs> that's what the Harbinger says. I know, but even the Harbinger is stupid. Yes. Okay. 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 This is what got me. This is what got me. So <laughs> I will say this. I will say this up front. The acting in this movie is terrible. It's just that would be awful. an improvement on the acting. Of this this movie. acting is this acting is awful. Okay, but then again, the script was awful. The line delivery in this is just yeah, so. Is. I can't but, completely blame the actors because if this was a script that was given to them, there's a very oh, difficult yes. way to deliver these. I, I can't terrible. think of a natural way to deliver. But also, line. but also the acting was bad because it's almost like they're like there and they're just like action and they just like said the line like it was just kind of like it was so it was very it was wooden across the board and when they want to like scream and go above and beyond like to actually emote it's always just way too high yes it's just like oh, oh like like increasing your volume does not increase your emotive capability but somebody says zombies itself i will say there were some moments there's some moments in this movies that i think makes it underrated not with the first and foremost, the zombies were hilarious, and they were, they were, un- they were kind of and they were unintentionally hilarious because they were doing funny things, like they did funny shit, and I enjoyed that. Well, they, they were, were laughing at themselves as they were killing people. Right? Okay. The zombie coming up out of the washing machine—that was that was great. I didn't expect that shit. I was kind of just like, because you think it's something like like so the making machine, and then all of a sudden she opens it up and like, and I was like, okay, that is awesome. Using the same trick that they did with uh, the television. Because you know, at one point the television's on the stand, it starts shaking and everything. The lightning comes out of it, and then it falls over, and then the smoke starts pouring out of it, and then they start like coming bodily out of the TV. For the end, for for this year, that was pretty cool. I dug that though, because like, that's neat. And then, although the weird, the girl comes out with this, there were so many fuck ups, there's so many cock ups. Like I don't know what the purpose of the girl was. The hot chick comes out. Hot chicks to come out to seduce a sixteen-year-old dude who really was sixteen at the time. Yeah, yeah who was sixteen years yeah. old, and then is like like kissing him and everything, and she's butt-ass naked. She's like straight naked, and then she like goes back into the TV, and then gets killed by a guy. And uh, there was a bunch of weird shit. But what the other thing that got me was I did not expect that to happen in the uh, okay. Obviously, it was like it was a good twist when the harbinger gets killed because they didn't kill the bride. And the bride like stabs him through the back. Oh, it's like, oh, the harbor's dead. The kid's gonna have to do it himself now. And he's running away. And then he pulls out the machete. 
and then goes after her and then get you don't jump into the chainsaw what are you doing so the, so the hero gets smoked look i didn't expect that so at I least it took i did, didn't expect it to take so long <laughs> i will say this i will say this that at least the film did some things that were unexpected you know you like you didn't like you didn't see these things that doesn't necessarily make it a good thing it, it, I wouldn't say. I think it, they did things that other that other filmmakers did. They took this concept that had been around for a minute, and they would just try to do something new with it. No, I'll give them that. The experimentation there. That I mean, I will give them credit for trying to experiment with a genre that had been around for what twenty years, and they were trying to inject a new life into it. Okay, that's cool. The execution was shit. It was, it, not, it was not great. The camera work was pretty off. The, the coloring, the, the, like the, the color took, correction was terrible. Was Everything terrible. was terrible. In they this took <laughs> really good special effects because this movie did. It had great special effects. The zombies look good. Yeah, the zombies, yeah, the zombies look good. Even the, the television thing, the way they came out, everything was done. That was good. But then you put in this, everything else is just not. It's just bad. and It ruins it. It's like a waste of really good special effects talent. Like, if I'm a special effects guy, and then I got a resume, and that's on my resume, I'm like, here, look, I only want you to watch this scene. <laughs> and by this scene, I mean, like, the first 10 seconds where you see my work, and then fuck off the rest of the movie. Yeah, I, I mean, the thing is, is the special effects people, they bring it. Yes. They, they really, do, yeah. they bring it, they, like, and I just felt like the director didn't. Like, it was just... Like I said, it was just being stilted. Uh, a lot of things that just didn't make sense. I didn't like the color grade. It just yeah, color of, grade was just off. Yeah, yeah. It just it felt felt really cheap. Well, well, that, felt well that's like, weird. It worked for the zombies, but it didn't did. work for everyone else. I think that was a problem. Is they made it to work for the zombies. That they, may have been that that may have been intentional. Yeah. They probably what they did was like focus on the zombies and then they put it on all because the way they did if this was shot on film, the way you color film back in the day is you actually used color like dye. You would actually yeah. you would actually right. color the actual film strip. And it could have been like they watched a section of it with like, that's good, and just slapping on everything. Yeah. Because when they're out in the woods like, towards the very end, it did not look good. It looks horrible. It yeah. just it, it looked like a it looked like a college film. It looked yeah. everything. It looked everything looked like, kind of like like washed out, like just yeah. the, like the like the, the yeah. exposed, like it was just way like everything was way overexposed, and until they got indoors, and then everything was just too dark. So you know, just the there was no detail. But then again, it's a zombie movie about zombies that come out of a supernatural television. So I mean, do are we meant to expect more? Yeah. Something <laughs> you can have, you can put some work into a zombie film. <laughs> Just at least do your fucking jobs, right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, gosh, they they had money in this movie. They had they had to have some sort of a decent budget into this film because again, the special effects were on point. That's not that's just not cheap. That's just not cheap. Those are full, and they're full body zombies. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, like they just put a little thing here, a little exactly. thing here, there. Yeah, right. They took their time. Whoever that, whoever designed those zombies, put like attention. You know, you could tell they had passion in that project. It's it just seems like a slap in the face to those to those people. You know, I wonder if like the director was maybe a special effects artist, 
And then he's like, I can direct it. So he just can nail like that point really well. And like yeah. everything else. Cause I just, there's, there's some really bad camera movements. <laughs> yeah. It's not great. Really, like, like pans where it's like a, it's all jerky. Yeah. Did you did you not like he goes too far? He goes too far and they're gonna bring it back. And they have to leave Greg. It's like, did you not practice this? Did you not at least walk through the scene before you shot it? It's like, no, no, no. We gotta go. Yeah, we don't have permits to be on this land. We gotta get it done. We gotta shoot a 30-minute scene out in the woods, right? We have two hours to do it. All right, old man Johnson's left. He's off the property. Go, 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 go. <laughs> yeah, guerrilla filming. Yeah, it's just mm, this movie could have been so much better than it was. And the pro again, it's just it there's just so many, so many things that just missed. So many things that missed. Man. I know you won't no, no, no. I will say that the yeah, the I, I will say the one the, the obviously the zombies are a standout, the effect, a lot more money, a lot more effort went into the effects than anything right. else. I did like the I did like the obligatory like you know it's not over scene because they do the setup you know the girl's traumatized she traps the zombies in the basement and she puts a mirror the the mirror thing concept yeah. was kind of interesting yeah there's a mirror on the inside of the because the zombies are, are are repelled by mirrors so mirrors have like turn on because they don't like the because they don't like the look of themselves right yeah. and so she traps them in the basement there's a mirror on the basement door so they can't break through because they won't approach it. So they, when they get, when the zombies get trapped in the confined space, they then turn on each other and they eat each other. And so then, of course, she, she's all traumatized. Everyone's dead and she like passes out. She wakes up, you know, her parents find her. She wakes up in the hospital and her parents are there and they're like, oh, thank God you're okay. And she's like, oh, all PTSD. And he's like, well, we have to go. We, we're we're going to, you know, we're going to leave you here to rest. And we brought, we, but we brought something for you. And of they all the things they can bring. <laughs> Yeah, and they bring the supernatural fucking... television to the hospital and they yeah, turn it on for as they're walking out the effort. door. You would have to make a concentrated effort, A, to go to the house that she was in. But she's not in that house anymore, right? <laughs> not in that house anymore. Go downstairs to the basement, find this TV, be like, hey, I think the daughter that's mentally fucked up right now could use this television in her hospital room. <laughs> it was so great. Pick that shit up, take it with you to the hospital. Carry that fucker in and be like, "Hey, here you go, baby." Yeah, yeah you gotta keep on. This is an '80s television set, right? Oh, they're yes. heavy. They're big. Yes. It's bulky. It's it's like, uh, yeah, let's go ahead, let's pick up this huge thing, and like the hospital's gonna be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yeah, Why? the hospital's like, "Yeah, yeah, TV. Yeah, we don't have those here. Come on, bring it in." <laughs> <laughs> It was good stuff. I mean, I, 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 that's why it was, it was entertaining to see the least. I will say that um, there were a couple of things, but yeah, there was. I think that was the. I enjoyed that. There were there were aspects I enjoyed of it. Um, the super. I mean, the the one that got the iron in the head was pretty was pretty hilarious. But the the way people died in this was beyond silly. It was just goofy as hell. And uh, you know, they, I, I I like I said, Eugene. They should. Why didn't they do their job? Why didn't they do their job? You have a job to do. They I, do I don't. So. I, I don't. I don't know. I'm guessing they had one. So you, you in terms of film stock, you get different sensitivities based mm -hmm. off of ISO, and so you would use like a less sensitive during the day and more sensitive at like a night scene or something. I'm guessing they bought one stock, and just probably just, right. So Sarah Bell has asked an interesting question. Do you think that they could redo this movie today and actually make it palatable? Yes, but you would have to give a shit. You know what I mean? You would have to really care. Um, and 
it's going to take more than just cool special effects. Obviously, I mean, it starts out interesting enough. I mean, the 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 TV gets delivered to some nobody. Like the crate shows up, and it was like because it was a it was a mixed up shipping label. Yeah, and even the the even the delivery drivers have the exposition of like. You know, they keep if they, if they keep screwing up, they're concerned that they may that they may be out of a job if they keep if there's if the distribution or the shipping center keeps switching up the damn labels, they keep screwing yeah. it up and we keep having to do this. So there's some decent exposition there. And then, you know, the whole thing was like, you know, we're we're uh, we're delivery guys, not wake because they keep having to go to this guy's house in the morning. And I so I mean, the premise is good. The guy was delivered the TV by mistake. He, he like opened it and was like, what the hell? Screw it. And then the TV starts showing this one movie and it's the only movie it gets. And then of course the zombies come out and then they kill him. So yeah, I I don't know if that pure concept can be done today just because the way TVs are like a, just a blank, like flat screen TV doesn't have like a a scary aesthetic than say the old wooden TV from the eighties or nineties or something like that. Like if you mean, it's like, okay, you get a Walmart, 40 inch flat screen TV on it. So it was like, if you did like a video scary, well, that's already been done before. Or if you did a website that was scary that people visited, that's already been done before. Um, oh, and the raid, the ring pretty much with, with any television. Yeah. I, any kind saying, of, yeah. I, it, I think people would see it as like a ring knockoff because the ring just did it so well. Right. You would have to go into a, a kind of a comedic element, like maybe keep the same tone as, as video dead keep that same tone in it so it's still kind of funny and some outlandish kill maybe you might be able to get away with it but the ring capitalized on the video they kind of did something similar where the i forget what the name of the zombie film was but it was like it was a b film at best but it was it followed these teenagers that didn't realize that they were zombies so that was pulled and redone what the hell is the name of that movie though i cannot remember the name of it I don't know. It follows a group of te- they see themselves as regular people, but everybody else sees them as zombies. I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen it. I'm telling it, it, it's it's like B giving this thing a B film is you know being <laughs> Z grade. Yeah. <laughs> B for zombie. Anyway, so we've been talking about 80s or 80s zombies films, right? 80s zombies films. That doesn't sound right. Sounds bad grammar. 80s. 80s zombies 80s zombie films. There we go. Yeah. We talk about 80s zombie films. Yeah, no, no S in the zombies. Yeah. yeah. Fucking hell. That'll be 10 demerits. <laughs> and you will stay after class. You will stay after class. Yeah. Uh, I will not double pearl. <laughs> uh so anyway, um, we're talking about the films of the 80s, zombie films specifically. I want to know. What's your favorite 80s zombie film? Let us know. Weekendhorror.com. No, I'm sorry. Weekendhorror at gmail.com. Side comments, side chat, comments below, some bullshit. Just tell me. Just tell me what it is. What is it? Eugene, what's yours? Favorite 80s zombie zombie film? Yeah. Um, I'll probably go. Aaron Reese, you got it. It's Ah Zombies. Yes, that's the one. Oh, Ah Zombies. Okay. okay, I was just thinking, like, because Dawn of the Dead came out late, early 80s, right? I thought that was seventies. Or was that uh, like- Dawn of the Dead was seventies? Yeah, yeah. seventy-eight, right? Because uh, because Night of the Living Dead was sixty-eight. That was sixty-eight. Yeah. yeah. I have to. I would have to look up because that was the first movie that came to mind too. Yeah. Um. My uh. Mine for the eighties. Return of the Living Dead. Mm, yeah. 
when they but when they bust open the door and the all like melted one comes out and is like yeah. brains and oh you just you don't get better <laughs> you don't get better than that shit that, that whole movie I remember when I first watched it I think why the fuck are these zombies talking send why the hell is she getting why the hell is she getting legit head to toe butt ass naked in a fucking graveyard yeah I, I wait wait. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> when you win the lottery, you don't ask why. You just exactly. <laughs> just cash that ticket in. <laughs> Aaron Reese, all hail the tar man. <laughs> Brave. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. That, that zombie looked badass. This one of my favorite pain, The pain. The, the pain. pain. <laughs> I just like that concept. It's like, why do you eat brains? It's like the pain. Yeah. I always thought that was an interesting concept. I, what I didn't like about that is that you couldn't kill the zombies. No matter what. <laughs> Sarcasm. Send, send more paramedics. Send more cops. Send more cops. Send more, send more cops. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Robert Caslow's just, yeah, I think he's barely following along. Who got butt ass naked? Who did? <laughs> <laughs> you told me to cook while, while listening to the podcast, and I'm missing parts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. But yes, definitely let us know in the comments below or at weekendhorrorgmail.com. What is your favorite 1980s zombie movie? Hey, JL, what I want you to do for the rest of the show is mm -hmm. the, say the exact same thing that I do. You didn't say that part. Yes, I did. No, you actually didn't. Yes, I actually did. I'll bet I'll bet you I'll bet you uh bet me what? Cthulhu there. I'll bet you Cthulhu there. I said I, I'll say all that. Versus no, my, no, because no, because I'm human I, and I make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I'm human and I make mistakes. <laughs> Either I'm right or I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what do we got up next, JL? <laughs> I'll, I'll bet you you're wrong. No, no, I absolutely could be wrong. I totally could be wrong. I'm <laughs> I throw myself on the mercy of the court. <laughs> if I fucked up, we'll just fix it in post. <laughs> we'll just fix it in post, damn it. Oh, yes, yes. Well, our third film up, third film up tonight is uh, the second worst to, film on this. I've been looking forward to talking talk about this one. So, released December 2nd, 1988. I was eight years old. Is the film Watchers. So, directed by John Hess, based on the novel by Dean Koontz, written by Damian Lee and Bill Freed, starring uh, Corey Haim, Barbara Williams, Michael Ironside, and Lala. Michael Ironside. <laughs> Michael Ironside. He yeah. was an 80s, he was a, a 80s the, and early 90s staple of, of movies. I'm, I'm the perfect killing machine. <laughs> <laughs> Rico, you know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know what to do. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So, what? first and foremost, um, I love the novel that this is based on. Oh, yeah. Let me, let me break this down. So, based on the novel by Dean Kinch, for those who have not seen this particular film, the movie centers around two genetic experiments that escape from a laboratory uh, a hyper intelligent golden retriever who is tele who is telepathically connected to this bioweapon this this biological you know weapon what they call the oxcom and the oxcom's goal is to try and kill the dog as part of their bio, part of the bioweapons experiment of this company they both escape and it becomes necessary for and the dog Winds up in the care of Corey Haim. They wind up on the run from this monster and 
the uh, psychopathic assassin sent to reclaim them both. Um, and Michael Ironside plays that that crazy assassin. So the book that this is based on was amazing. This movie was not amazing. It did some interesting things with the with the dog. I thought there was some cool stuff that they did with the dog. It was a very well-trained golden retriever. The typing scene with the dog picks up the pencil and types, that was pretty neat because that puppet looked pretty, that movie looked really, really good. But I was still trying to hash out, and, because this thing starts out as a drama, as like a sci-fi drama. You know, the kid with the mom and the dad is dead, you know, you know, so and so forth, and then gets the dog on the run from the bad guys. And then it turns into Predator, which came out two years before this movie in 86. Because they go up to the cabin in the woods to make a last stand. And I realized, oh, wow, it, it's sort of following the book. And then, no, then it turns into fucking Predator with an actual, like, arming up scene done by Corey Haim of, like, License to Drive. <laughs> Corey Haim goes through a sequence where he's arming up to do battle with the monster. I swear they stole scenes directly from Predator. Sure. I was like, I forgot this was a fucking. It, it, it literally yeah, all turns the only thing that we were missing from Corey Hain was him covering himself in mud. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I will. I mean, what yeah, a, miss, what a misstep! What a. What, I mean, I've seen you, bad adaptations, but well, let me ask you this: Do you think that the reason why it was bad was because of the casting of Corey Hain? Because he can't act; he's not a good actor. No, he was no good Lucas. But that's about it. He's the, I mean, he, but he was one of the ones who was, who was a really kind of cat, you know, drifting on his looks. He was a teen heartthrob. Right. So he doesn't need to act. He just needs to be Corey Haim. Right. You know, or, or whatever the, the public imagined him as. Right. Putting him in this movie was a big misstep. That, that was, that <laughs> yeah. was, yeah, that should, that was bad. That was, the, I would say it was one of the, one of the, one of the few movies that he should not have been in. Yeah. License to Drive, that was right up his alley. Um, the uh, other films that you have, like the little brother in uh, in Lost Boys, perfect yeah. for him, you yeah. know. And but this one as a lead is like a leading man. It was like he's the leading man. No, no, no. He had no business. This yeah, he should have gone the the Keanu Reeves Heath Ledger route, where you start doing teen dramas and start being the leading man that way. Where I'm the guy that everybody looks up to. I'm you know or whatever. I'm the conflicted youth yeah. or whatever. Go that route. Don't try to be the action guy because. He was not the action guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's not believable. No, at all. At all. Whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. So a few years earlier, we got this scene of this Corey Haim getting that fucking muscle rub rubbed on his balls, and now he's the action star. No, no. Yeah, not not feeling. It was one thing that um, <laughs> Robert Castle he went after the monster and put him down old Yeller style. He pretty much did. <laughs> He pretty, he pretty much just puts it down old yellow style. This was, I mean, I've seen bad adaptations. Book adaptations are always dicey. And this book, Watchers, is uh, as far as like books with horror elements, because Dean Koontz is known for one thing. One, his books, his books usually have happy endings. They usually have positive endings. Unlike, you know, like King or other horror writers, Dean Koontz likes happy endings. And Dean Koontz, this book, Watchers, like cemented him as a best-selling author. The book is absolutely amazing. It's one of my favorite reads, you know, my favorite fiction reads ever. The thing, it's it's just absolutely amazing. The dog, everything about it was just great. And unfortunately, this one, I this one fell flat. And the big thing on this, and you know, we were going to talk, we're going to talk about this in a second because 
obviously there's things the the book like watchers is like i i this is obviously nobody can see it but the book watch is actually very very long there's a lot of, it's a huge book yeah it's very thick probably it would take, have been two books it, a mini this could have been a mini series yeah to get ever to get all the details in yeah so that was one that was one big problem so the fact that you know they're adapting a book um, Commander Darklight, Corey Ham was like Elvis, couldn't act. They just got Elvis to sing his lines <laughs> pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, this one, not, I mean, as far as adaptations go, was bad. But I think, and we can really, really talk about this. And we have a lot of love for Roger Corman here. But Roger Corman got his hands on this franchise. And I actually blame Roger Corman for this because if you look at it, and the, the, and there were four films in this franchise. Watchers 2, Watchers 3, and Watchers Reborn. Four movies. Watcher, and I think Roger, Watcher, I think Mark Hamill was in Roger, Watchers Reborn. Um, which, mm, but I blame Roger Corman for this because Roger Corman's career was made on cheap, low budget horror films for schlock reasons. You know, that, that's what it was. And he took this, what should have been an amazing adaptation that could have been amazing. And put the Roger Corman stamp on it. Um, yeah, the Roger Corman effect. I'll give it that. Be, this is what you get, unfortunately. I don't know who optioned the rights to this. We all, Who allowed that to happen? But, you know, I, I'm going to blame. I personally am going to, I'm going to blame Roger Corman for this. Uh, I think, I think that's fair on it. Um, when it comes, when it comes to book adaptations, book adaptations are, very very hard to do right from from the get-go on it and it, i i'm trying to find positive things about this i am i'm really i'm really trying the dog is beautiful by the way i do love the dog oh the dog is fantastic yeah, the dog, the dog yeah. is fantastic definitely the best actor Oh, <laughs> the dog was the best actor in the bunch. <laughs> yeah, that's really. well i mean you had the dog and then you had michael ironside it's just you know he just doing like you know Michael Ironside playing Michael Ironside. Michael Ironside. Just doing yeah. classic Michael Ironside. <laughs> it's pretty much it. And and then he's like, yeah, I'm the third experiment. And he's like, oh, God, Michael, come on, dude. Just like, just ham. So much ham. <laughs> you, this, is the, this is the thing. Pronounced ham. Huh? It's pronounced Oh, no. Cor- no, it was, it was, Corey, it was it, it's Corey Ham. There was all ham. Yeah. And I and I, I think yeah. I think I, I think you guys would agree that this is the core that this is the Corman effect. I love Roger Corman. I love his stuff. I love his post stuff. But Corman focuses on low budget material, low budget, schlock, you know, hyper, you know, ultra violence and TNA. It's you know, because he, it's cheap. I mean, that's yeah, the it, whole thing. It's cheap if you're gonna make them it is easier to get make a five million dollar film it is to make a 50 million dollar film right there's it's less easy. expectation yeah less expectation because if he does a bunch of three to five million dollar films and then they make 10 million a box office you are successful right you are a successful profiting director and guaranteed yeah. you'll get another film off yeah of so it. think about it this way your film a film is not considered successful if it doesn't at least the very minimum double its budget yeah so if you're talking about a 50 million dollar film now you gotta make 100 million dollars at the box office versus a five million dollar film you can fart your way to 10 million dollars 
you could accidentally get ten million dollars and five million bucks. If you have, if you pick a good release date where yeah. there's nothing coming to theaters, right. And people, people are just bored and they want to go see something. You pick a good release date, you will accidentally at least right. make the budget back on the right. Exactly. <laughs> Chris Durham, wait, you woke me up, Roger Corman. <laughs> yes, we were talking <laughs> about Roger Corman. There's a lot of love for Roger Corman here. Like, um, okay, Aaron Reese plays up. Roger Corman did bad, bad movies, while Lloyd Kaufman does good, bad movies. And it, it's true, but I like some of Roger Corman's work. I love Roger Corman's post cycle. I love the films that turn out because when I'm watching a Roger Corman movie, I know what I'm expecting. Now, Roger Corman executive produced this one. And so he wasn't directly, he wasn't fully in charge, but you could smell Roger Corman all over this. Uh, he was very, you could feel, it's like, this feels like a Roger Corman production, like legit. And then it, I, it's very obvious in the direct-to-DVD releases after this where the monster got even cheaper looking and it's just, you know, it's just, it's, the, and this is the Roger Corman effect. This, but this book didn't deserve that. So I don't know if it was Dean Koontz needed the money because this was a net, this was a New York Times bestseller for like, I think for quite a while. I don't know if he needed the money. I don't know what happened here. I don't know if his agent simply optioned it out. I have no clue. Dean Koontz himself says he hates the damn movie. I think he's only watched it once and he will never watch it again. Um, I'm not sure, but I do know that uh, this was this was a waste. I mean, it was an absolute waste. And it was uh, Travis Brown. Can you smell it? How can you smell it from his sweat? His influence, Sarah Bell is just correct. His influence is undeniable. If you look at Roger Corman's style, Roger Corman has a very specific style. You can say this looks like a Corman film. You know, the show that if you watch Humanoids from the Deep, there was a Showtime remake of Humanoids from the Deep that was produced by Roger Corman. And you can you put the two side by side, like that is a Roger Corman movie. Now, if you if you didn't know, you'd be like, just just from the look of it, yeah. Oh, I'm I'm curious, though, and I'm pretty sure the, the chat would know. Is this the first book to film adaptation by Dean Koontz? Because maybe it, if like if it's not, it may not be. But if it's the first one, he he may have just gotten excited. Oh, somebody who has made movies wants to make a movie of my book. Yeah, and kind of signs on board, gets super excited about it, and then is like, oh, yeah, yeah. That I mean, and maybe it was just like with early King stuff. You think about some of King's adaptations. Because sometimes the the book adaptation is okay. Here's an interesting thing: the book adaptations are either going to get an intense amount of love and support, right, or they get none whatsoever. Sorry, I think the passengers was his first one. Was passengers? Okay, because it was in '77. <clears throat> but you look at it. You have you, know, you either get an intense amount of love and dedication and devotion from the studio to make the best possible adaptation you can. Or you get none, like none at all. So, and it seems like the majority of the time they get none. They just try to like, look, we're optioning the rights for it. Fuck it. And, you know, just, just do what you can with it. Turn it from a book into a screenplay and then go shoot it. So there you go. And then, of course, uh, but then you have like major adaptation. Maybe it's just if the book is old, maybe if it's like classic literature, it gets the love. Contemporary literature just doesn't. I have no idea. I think I think it just comes down to just being a fan of even if it's something a book that's new, a somebody who's a fan of it, who's read it multiple times, who's going to study and have the nuances of the book is going to do a much, much, much better job versus somebody who gets tasked. 
to do because sometimes that happens. Sometimes you'll have a director who works for a studio and the studio got the rights and like, boom, you're up. You're going to make this film. Right. And they're like, uh, I don't want to. Too bad. You're going to make it anyway. And contractually, just, contractually obligated. Yeah, right. you're contractually obliga- obligated to. So what they're going to do, they're going to cut corners. They're going to have somebody read the book for them. And okay, you know, it just kind of kind of summarize. Like if you watch right. the the old Dune movie, the old Dune movie looks like someone else read that book and then gave a brief synopsis to the director. He made a movie off that. Right, right. <laughs> a copy of a copy. Yeah, a copy. Of a copy. Brown, that's not true. Demon Seed came out April first, where the Passengers came out March 9th. So March Passengers is his first. Oh, Robert Castle. Robert Castle says, I actually loved the first Watchers, mainly because the protagonists didn't act stupid. Non-stupid protagonists make movies better. I will I will agree I, with this. Yeah. I absolutely I I like smart protagonists. They I ran like where they, they needed to, yeah, they ran when they needed to run. And they, you know, they were able, we're gonna make our stand and they, you know, we're gonna they, you know, got they, the, they got into the running car. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yes, non protagonists are good. <laughs> I just it is really uh, let's see uh, nerd journal says didn't Coons try to sue to have his name removed from one of the movies made about one of his books hideout maybe he may have I know there's I know Stephen King also dealt with that at one point with, uh, lawnmower, with lawnmower man, man. yeah yep. that do not so, that's why now it's just called the lawnmower man you, it originally was called Stephen King's lawnmower man so yeah. he said the fuck it is the fuck it is <laughs> <laughs> So uh, you know, you know, whatever happened behind the scenes in order to turn to turn this one into a shitstorm, um, and whatever fucking lazy writing, you know, with, uh, the writer on this, uh, the actual screenwriter on this, uh, Bill Freed and Damian Lee. So Damian Lee, a Canadian film director, you know, notable for films such as Abraxas, Guardian of the Universe, No Exit, Ski School. <gasps> He wrote a Braxis? Yeah, he wrote a Braxis. Oh, that movie's so bad. <laughs> oh, that movie is that so movie is bad. But I'm surprised that nobody was like looking at with nobody was watching this movie or reading the script and see like, did you just take like the whole third act from Predator? Did you just like steal like all of Shane uh, all of Shane Black's script? Because it's essentially missing, what he did. We were missing a Billy, and that's it. If you put a bit right. if, if, if we had Billy in there. Half naked Indian. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, unfortunately, you know, this it could have been a lot better. It it should have been a lot better. A lot more, a lot more love should have been played to this because this was a beloved book. I absolutely adore this one. I go back every few years and I read and I revisit it. How they depict the uh, the golden retriever in the book is amazing. You just fall in love with it in the book. The characters were great. You get and, and they're flawed. They're, they're I mean that's one thing Dean Koontz is, is is excellent about because number one. This movie starred Corey Haim. That was a waste. Total miscasting. In the book, the protagonist is a is a is a is a discharged is dis, is is a discharged uh, serviceman uh, serviceman um, ex Delta Force and suffering from you know suffering from the effects of PTSD and depressed, coming down on himself. All of the friends he's lost in combat. All of the people that he can't you know that that are gone out of his life. And just like he's down on himself. And in this worst moment, that's when he encounters the dog and the monster. And so through the process of saving the dog, through the process of you know going through this, he kind of finds himself again. It's a beautiful story. It's so beautifully written. And along the way, they pick up, you know, the the the, the female protagonist who herself is going through her own shit. 
I love how deep these are. And um, if this were to be, and I was sitting here thinking about it, and this is one thing I want to ask the audience. If this film were to reboot it, I was thinking about a possible reboot. I want to ask the audience, do you think this movie could be rebooted? If actual money were put towards a legitimate adaptation that took the source material seriously from someone who truly loved it and knew, and knew what they were doing, do you think that that could happen? Or do you think that this is just a wash? Do you think this is just waste? Because I was thinking about a reboot, and I thought Henry Cavill would make would be fantastic in the uh, Henry Cavill, yeah, yeah. I think Muschietti could do it. The Muschietti twin or siblings, directorial and produce production wise, I think they could do it because they okay they did good you know good work with uh, Stephen King adaptation of a long of it, which was a longer uh, longer novel, so two parts to it. I think that if you're gonna do the Watchers, you've gotta you've gotta break it up into. Mm-hmm. Like two movies, two parts. Yeah, yeah, it's just so much there, so much going on, and it's not like throwaway stuff. There's really a lot of important information that happens in the in that novel. And I was thinking, like you know, much more work could be done on the monster um, to make it really, really horrific. I mean, hell, the monster in Rutger Hauer split second, split second with Rutger Hauer, that monster was fantastic. Just do something, so you know, something along those lines, and then just more effort, more effort, more love should be shown to this. And I just kept as I was thinking about this, this adaptation. If they were to reboot the same, I can see Henry Cavill in this role. Ex-Delta Force member. He can do real emotive acting. The guy is the guy's fantastic. He's a he's a brilliant actor. I, I love everything he does. He can do that kind of like dark and you know, brooding down on yourself kind of moments. And then then you get to see, you know, Henry Cavill and a golden and a super smart golden retriever be the you know, the leads of this week. I can see that. You know, I think that would be awesome. But unfortunately, if they go to remake this, it's going to cast like the fucking rock or something. Can you smell what the rock is cooking? Nope. Golden <laughs> Retriever. You just fed the dog green Aww. beans. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was Will Smith who fed the dog green beans. <laughs> so, yeah, um, let us know. Let us know in the comments below or, of course, here in the live chat. If you think I, that this is a franchise that could be rebooted, that someone could come back with the money and the love for the source material to really make a decent adaptation of this of Watchers. I think it deserves it. It's been a long time since we've gotten since the fourth one came out. At least, I mean, that was back when you know Mark Hamill was you know was a I can't remember what you what year that what that fourth one come out. Early uh, late nineties like, or early two thousands. I 2001, think two thousand one, wasn't it? Two thousand one. I think so. Twenty years ago. So yeah, I'm saying I'm thinking yeah, Watchers Reborn. Uh, also is the oh 1998. Oh, okay, 90, 90, okay. So I mean, 90, the thing is, is, is ab- absolutely just because I'm tired of them remaking good movies. We already have a good movie; they already exist. But why not take good stories that turned into bad movies and remake those? Those right? are the ones, yeah. If you're gonna do yeah. a remake, you know what I mean. Do a remake of a shitty movie of a good story. You know. Um, mm-hmm. On it, that, I mean, that's honestly that's the way that way people can actually enjoy the story, right? So I'm thinking that it could. I just think uh, the right people have got the right person or the right screenwriter, the right director's got to get a hold of it. I think it would be really, really cool. Yes. So definitely let us know. All right, we got one more to talk about, and I'm so Jenny, glad we're moving out of the 80s. We are finally moving out of the 80s. We've been in the 80s for a minute. Um, but uh, yes, I'm glad I gave this one to you, Eugene. So take take it away. What's the last one Man. we've got? <laughs> All right. 
<laughs> I could talk about the acting performances alone and yep. how bad it was. <laughs> was it bad? I, I, this 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 was some of the fakest acting I've seen in this quality of a movie. It's, but anyways, getting I, to, I I can counter. I can I think I can counter some of that. But feel free, go ahead and introduce uh, it. Oh, yeah, so I'll I'll go ahead and introduce it. And so the final movie is we have Office Killer that was released December 3rd, 1997. It was directed by Cindy Sherman and it stars Carol Kane, David Thornton, Molly Ringwald, Janelle Trippenhorn, and Barbara Sue. Sukua? Barbara Sukawa. Sukawa. Yeah. Sukawa on that one. And, I mean, basically what happens is that you have a girl who works in an office and she goes on a complete murder spree. <laughs> and shit gets real. I mean, that that's it. Yeah. <laughs> she, yeah, she definitely, she definitely descends. She she did. right? She's got to work her own yeah. fire paperwork. And then she's like, fuck this shit. I'm going to kill everybody. Yeah, they end, up, they end up firing like a lot of people, and she gets fired, so she goes on like a murder. Well, no, they, she, she no, she doesn't get fired. She got she got sent to sent to part time to work oh, from right, home. Right, right. Oh so, yeah, part, yeah. Okay. That's why Michael Imperioli's character. That, that was what was surprising was the cast on this one, because you've got like I said, you've got Carol Kane, you know Molly Ringwald, Gene Triplehorn, but there's also Michael Imperioli was in this. Um, a number and um, uh, oh, what well, I took. She was the librarian from Ghostbusters. Um, Alice, Alice, Alice Drummond. Yeah. Alice Drummond was in this. There's yeah. a bunch of recognizable faces throughout the entire film. Like you see them, you go, "Holy shit! Oh shit!" Yeah. So a bunch hey, of faces. Hey, that guy. Hey, that girl. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so, oh, and even and Eric Bogosian, who played her father. But I actually want I, I want to challenge what Eugene said when he prefaced this. I thought Carol Kane, the you know one of the queens of black comedy, I thought that she did pretty solid with this. I okay. I was sitting there and I was watching this and like she she was she was not bad but it just it felt like especially like Molly Ringwall it felt like she was phoning it in like every, <laughs> like I just I think the problem with Molly Ringwall is this is such a departure from what she normally played right cuz she wasn't mean in in 16 candles she That's who she was yeah, she's she's, she's yeah. the John she's the John Hughes darling Right, and yeah. then I was just fuck this, fuck that, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? It's just, it was such a, a drastic change for her character type. It, it's like I've never, just, I've never heard the girl drop so many f bombs in my life. Oh yeah, I mean this just, is this is it's completely <laughs> against her type, and I like it when actors play against her type. Yeah, and it's like when they play against her type, they have to take risks, and I felt like she did not take any risks. And there was just this lack of direction, like a like actors a lot of times will be on default, so they'll read the script and they're gonna go, "I'm this is my default setting," and they hope the director can kind of tweak them to what it actually needs to be. And I feel like the director never, like Cindy Sherman, never tweaked it. Cindy Sherman never said, "Hey Molly, this is not pretty in pink." <laughs> <laughs> well, she was salty as fuck. Um... Yeah, oh yes. Uh yes, Ronald's name says um this Carol yeah. Kane was, was the fairy in Scrooge. She was the violent fairy in Scrooge. She so was fantastic. Fun. And she was the witch wife in Princess Bride. Oh, you're on somebody that's not a horror film. <laughs> and then of course, uh and, yeah, I know yeah, Annie Potts was in Ghostbusters, yeah. But uh no, yeah, but Ann Drummond was the um oh sorry, the Alice Alice Drummond. Alice was the librarian. 
was the very, very beginning. Yes, was the librarian who was scared, who was who was walking through the stacks and encountered the ghost. Yeah. She opened the movie. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So He's tell me, her, uh, tell me, pickles. have you been menstruating lately? <laughs> what is, what has that got to do with it? <laughs> Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Back off, man. Uh, so, but I mean, it's a host of faces, but I really enjoy it because Carol Kane, she's very much black comedy, very much because Johnny was pointing it out. You don't expect it from someone like her. She's she's such a little mouse. Yeah. She's so she's so she's she's cute. And she, I mean, I, I always thought the, the, the fairy and Scrooge was hot. Yeah, that's just me. I just, I just thought it was, great. it was a great con again. I thought that was a good contrast to Carol Kane, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. This, you know, super sweet. And I thought it was the best way to play those differences, right? Because she was this really sweet fairy knocking the fucking shit out of Scrooge or whatever his name. I can't remember his name, but you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was great, you know what I mean? But. <laughs> And um, uh, one, th one thing I will say, if you really want, if you really want to see Carol Kane at her at her pinnacle, her absolute best, check out the series Hunters on Amazon Prime. She it's not a it's not a horror series. It's a series about um, Jews hunting Nazi war criminals, led, you know, led by Al Pacino. Logan Lerman's in it. A bunch of faces you recognize, but Al Pacino, she, yeah. But she, but but Carol Kane and Saul Rubenstein play a married couple. Who survived the Holocaust, and then they're going in like that. But she is absolutely phenomenal. You because no, typically we see Carol Kane so often in comedies and doing right. like black comedy, doing something goofy or doing something silly in that respect. This is her, and this is the level of acting that she's capable of. Which we, I think, we which we see hallmarks of. Because that's what reminded me of is Carol Kane getting kind of reach into her hat, and her hat is a lot deeper than most people give her credit for because she went all out, and I, there were just moments of nuance in how she approaches the scene, how she looks at what's going on, where the exposition is all in her eyes. And I really enjoyed what Carol King, despite the fact that, yes, a lot of it felt very phoned in. This was a cheaply made movie. It only takes place, I think, in like two locations, which is pretty much her, you know, Carol Kane's house and the office. And it gets kind of gross at the moment because, you know, the bodies start piling up in the basement as she's recreating the office scene in her head. <laughs> I will tell you this right now. She is batshit fucking crazy in this movie. Oh like, yeah, she is. She is like you know John Doe seven crazy. <laughs> when you're when you're crazy, do you as you well when you're crazy as you clearly are, do you know that you're <laughs> when you're insane as you know as you clearly are? Do, do you know that you're insane? But yeah, I enjoyed uh, what she brought to the role. I thought it was good. It was dark. There was a lot of blackness there. The the insinuation that she was, you know, huh? What? Oh, the insinuation that she was molested by her father and her mother didn't care. And all of that kind of, you know, going into this you know, and then having to take care of her crippled mother and shit. Ugh, just, but I enjoyed it. I really, really dug it. Um, it was entertaining. And hearing Molly Ringwald just drop F-bombs all day while she's chugging down cigarettes was just fucking great. And did anybody else catch that was Ariana. That was um, Ariana Huffington. That character, uh, Virginia, the that the office manager, like the uh, like the head of the magazine. That is such a send up of Ariana Huffington. It absolutely is mm. of the Huffington I, Post. I did not catch it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Only yeah. me. I was like, yeah, holy I the accent. The accent. 
the smoking, the attitude, everything, the way, the way she's reported to behave around everybody in the office, that was just, that was an absolute satire of, of Ariana Huffington, who runs the Huffington Post. Right. So, I, yeah, she's, yeah. from what I understand, she's, an, from what I've heard, she's an atrocious, you know, human being. And that just that setup of her was brilliant. And they, they got a classically trained German theater actress to come in and portray her, which was brilliant. So I just, so there's a lot of fun, just a lot, a lot of fun things about it. But I really dug it for Carol Kane to go that dark. Because even in the darkest moments, it's dark. It's not funny. So. I thought it was funny. No, I mean, in the yeah, moments yeah. when, like, after her mother dies. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was no comedy in that scene. No, when she's discovered yeah. that her mother has died, has passed Which away. Which makes you she kind was... of uncomfortable because, you, right. you know, throughout the whole movie, you're kind of laughing at this, right? There's some, the, even though it's, it's you know, it's this lady running around killing people and kind of weird. Well, when she's trying to tape up one of the corpses that's decomposing right. in her, yeah. ba- in her yeah. basement. Yeah, that's funny. him with Windex. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. And then yeah, then this this happens. You're like, man, am I supposed to laugh here because I don't feel like laughing, right? Which kind it's of like, makes it, which makes they it don't good. let you forget. They don't let you forget what you're seeing is absurd. Yes, and it's funny. We can do we can see it in a, in, in a funny way. And of course, the people around her are all so it's it's almost American Psycho in that respect. Everyone bit, around yeah. everyone around her is so self involved. They are incapable of seeing what she is mm-hmm. until it's too late. Mm-hmm. And they have no hint of it. The only one who does have a hint is Molly Ringwald's character, and she's the only one that gets away. Even though she, I mean, in that you know, try to kill her twice, she tried to strangle her, she got out of it the same way. It's just hilarious. But it's that's what I dug about this one is that despite how absurd it is, it and even even this went to a place that American Psycho did because American Psycho was also was it was it was absurd. But it also went to the ambiguous. It's kind of like, wait, is it all in his head? Right. So it's kind of like, huh, yeah. this one never did. This is not in her head. She's actually no. doing this. Yeah. And in that yeah. one moment when she discovers her mother has died, the one thing that was kind of like hinging her, she was hinging her sanity on or whatever was left of her sanity. When her mother died, that flip out moment, that's not funny. She was fucking, that, that, this girl was insane. Like that was the last straw. And you saw that you saw that you saw that straw break, like right there in that moment. And just because the, the I think this is that even though the script is kind of uh, the production was cheap. This is an early Miramax film. This is shortly after they uh, they got bought out by Disney because um, they've got bought out by Disney in '94, and then uh, this is like three or three years later. Cheap little film, horror film, whatever slash film going out there, and then, but this is the professionalism of Carol Kane. This is how fucking good she is. And you get that little moment where even in a even in a throwaway movie like Eugene was talking about, like the default mode that actors go on. Carol, I don't think Carol Kane has a default mode. She's just a fucking amazing actress and has that talent. No matter what she's doing, small project, large project, she's gonna go full bore. And I really appreciate that. The only reason to watch this one is for Carol Kane. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, because I just Everybody else, it just felt flat. It just and like maybe, maybe this just makes her stand, makes her stand out like even more on it. And I just I couldn't. There were some scenes I just couldn't get past because I was just like, it was just like flat, 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 flat. Just like the, the whole conversation on it, and um, it just 
Like, it, I think I, I would equate it to George Lucas and the prequels of Star Wars, how you have mm. Ewan McGregor, who, despite George Lucas tanking everybody else's performance in the prequels, Ewan McGregor kind of goes above and beyond. I mean, Natalie Portman looks like she is a wooden board. Yeah. And it, well, and like, was she, in that one. Yeah. And Natalie Portman can act. I just don't, well, yeah. yeah, yeah she, <laughs> Natalie Portman can really fucking act. Wildly and, talented. And George Lucas somehow stopped her. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I know I gave you a lot of money to be in this movie. And I know you're really talented. But, but. can you just stand there and let Kira Knightley do the work? <laughs> you're making Hayden Christensen look bad. Can you, like go down a notch yeah look hayden christensen really can't act so if you act the way you normally act it's going to make his acting look really shit so can you dial it down a lot <laughs> like all the way sarah bella says the only issue is that when you are bringing your a-game performance and everyone else is flat it can sometimes work against you and make it look as if you're being over the top yep especially Agreed. a carol kane type actress who right. has that those kind of quirkiness about her the way she performs yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, I, I, yeah. Oh, I think another thing that goes for this one is that it, this is a female-centric slasher film, which I found interesting because you these kind of ones don't go don't come along all that often, which is probably why in '97 this is the reason this one got made. You've got uh, uh, Carol Kane, you know, le leading this whole bunch. Molly Ringwald right behind her. Gene Triplehorn. I think that this was post uh, Basic Instinct. Yeah, uh, basically, basically was what, 94, 94, 94, 95, or 92. Yeah, it's, it's after basic instinct, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. 92. So, you got Gene Triple, maybe 92, 93, yeah, I bet it's 92, 90, early 90s, basic instinct, right? So, you've got and you've got in a strong, and of course, um, uh, Barbara Su Barbara Sukawa, who is a, 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 the a theatrical legend in her own right from germ from uh, German film and theater. So, you've got heavyweights when it comes to acting. In this, everybody, you know, uh, you know, talents in their own right. A female-centric slasher film in the late '90s. I mean, I get the final girl thing, but there was, I mean, the final girl in this one was ostensibly the killer. In this, and I liked having this kind of spin on it. Women and the way women, this kind of depiction of women taking advantage of women and flipping the tables on this. I like what they were trying to go for here. So while yeah, there's a lot of things that would make you maybe cast this thing aside, but looking a little bit deeper, you got the efforts of Carol Kane, which are which were awesome, and kind of make like Johnny said, make there's a couple moments that make you feel kind of uncomfortable, you know, just just like mm, this is and was it wasn't because they're cringe, because they're acted out so well. Yeah, because she's good at her fucking job, right? Yeah. So and they tried to do something interesting here, slasher film, yes. Office spree killer, whatever you know, going the this idea on going postal, and then flip the tables. Don't make it a guy like movies like Pandemonium or Rampage. Do it, you know. Put the the meek mousy secretary mm. finds her fangs, and I liked it. I did. I enjoyed it. It was you know entertaining. It's not it's not going to be a part of my personal out, collection, but can I just point out the fact mm -hmm. that your go to for Gene Triplehorn is Basic Instinct. Well, I could also mention Big Love, but not everybody saw that series on HBO. Well, sure, but I just think it's funny that she's been in like 47 different things, but it's basic instinct that you go that you, that's your go-to for Gene Triplehorn. What do you want me to say? 
that what you the, like seeing your boobies. What the fuck you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, nothing. I just you know wanted to know that that was your go-to. That's your go-to. Just, just just pointing stuff out. Yep, just point. That's what I do. That's what I do here. Just <laughs> making just making an objective observation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> technically, so, te- technically, Aaron Reese, she's a spree killer in this one. Yeah. 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 Cause yeah, it's, yeah right. Because yeah. it's not. She's not eating while she's doing it. Mm-hmm. But I actually, I, <laughs> I'll let myself out, <laughs> and I'm off the podcast. Yep. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Dad. <laughs> but I actually, I want to ask the audience, and we talked about in terms of going postal. What is your favorite going postal film, where somebody just snaps and they just go on a killing spree? Garbage day. <laughs> <laughs> Silent Night the other night too. <laughs> I want to talk to him and I want to ask him when you saw that line in the script, what went through your head? Just would you just go going all the way back to the 80s? Yeah. You're reading the script. Oh, Silent Night the other night too. This you know what he's gonna say? Oh, continuation of the story. He's, he's a professional actor. He's like, oh, yeah. I'm reading the script. And he was doing his highlights, making his notes, and then he comes across the one line. Garbage day. What is my motivation in this scene? How am I going to drop this thing? I want to hear that conversation. I want to hear that conversation between him and the director. Right. I want to know what would with that one. I just fucking love that. Take up the trash. Here's the thing. You're walking down the street killing people. Are we cool with that part? Yeah, cool. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Right? I'm, so, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a deranged killer. Cool. I'm, 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 all right, so you walk up to this guy who has a silver trash can. All right, yeah, yeah, okay, got it, got it, got it. He puts it down, and then you deliver this line, garbage day. <laughs> Ooh, falling down. Yeah. Ah, yes, yes, falling but down. Does he really go on a killing spree? He kills like one person. Well, I guess he is responsible for the... No, he's not responsible for the deaths of the gangbangers. Oh, the because they crashed their own car. That's yeah. right. They crashed their own car after trying to kill him. Right. The only person uh, he killed was the was the uh, uh, the, 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 the the Nazi the Nazi war yeah. uh, the uh, army army navy surplus guy. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's still one of my all time favorites. It is by far my favorite Michael Douglas film. That is when yeah when someone has uh, I've had enough. Yep. I've certainly had enough of all of this. Yep. <laughs> you have to put newspaper in your shoe because there's a hole in it right we're, we're, we're shooting a movie you need to back up a little bit what's the name of the movie um under construction yeah sounds okay <laughs> um sir little wolf says john will john wick anyone who kills because of a dead dog is great in my book he certainly does go. He was like, "Yeah, pretty." Well. Oh, yes, sir. Little wolf. hobo with a hobo shotgun. With shotgun. <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah. Rudger Hauer. <laughs> a hobo with a shotgun. <laughs> God, he was so great. Jeez. Oh, uh, def- defense. Yes, the baseball bat. <laughs> you took your bat. No, my stole for protection. 
Defense. Defense. <laughs> so bad. Sorry. Oh, we, we got oh, it. <laughs> that was pretty <laughs> terrible. You pay or you go. <laughs> That's racist. <laughs> that, it, that, it, it was not a good depiction of, of uh, what were they? Uh, was he? He was Korean. Korean? He was Korean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 remember. China. I'm not Chinese. Korean. 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 Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, falling down was was absolutely great. great movie. And of course, if you uh, the scene in the Whammy Burger was great. Did you know? Yeah, just a little inside. Did you know the actress who was initially taking his order, uh-huh. the girl, the the girl, the the young girl was taking order, is Michelle Pfeiffer's sister? Really? I yeah. did not know that. I didn't. Oh, Dee Dee Pfeiffer. Really? She looks nothing like her. <laughs> but I mean, I was I was kind of I was like, wow, okay, yep, Dee Dee Pfeiffer. Nerd Journal mentioned uh, Guns Akimbo. Guns Akimbo was actually pretty good. That actually was. Uh, so, so Little Wolf, does the original Friday the 13th count? I think so. Yeah. Has to. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the whole premise of it right there. Yeah. Wrote a no last name, Machete. Or, the Medi- or Mariachi. El Mariachi. El Mariachi. Machete. In walked the biggest fucking mexican i've ever seen that's desperado but whatever i know that's desperado but still <laughs> i love steve buscemi in that scene he's so good in that movie he's so good <laughs> it just he's all like and then like the bartender everybody's like they're into this and it was yeah. like in, in walked the biggest fucking mexican i've ever seen <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i fucking love it shit this place is for low lives and degenerates <laughs> not like this place well you find like yeah, yeah. <laughs> tony regime says super with rain wilson when he snaps it is awesome yes that was a good one mm-hmm. um and yes aaron reese i highly recommend you check out mayhem with steven young from mayhem, Dead oh, i really enjoyed mayhem Mayhem was good yeah Mayhem was really fantastic uh oh, we had sarah who had a classic one taxi driver Ah, taxi driver. Yes. Good stuff. But definitely let us know down in the comments below or at weekendhorror at gmail.com. Well, it's about that time, Johnny. They're here waiting. They're here waiting for trivia. Time to go. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's trivia time. I think it is trivia time for the for this. Oh, Tony Regime would like to say El Mariachi didn't snap. He just went with the flow. That's true. He was really cool. He was really cool. He was. He's like, so you killed my wife? All right. So this is the, I will say this. So um, before we do this trivia question tonight, I want to make an announcement and I will be, this announcement will also be going out to everyone in the, in the monthly newsletter. If you are one of our patrons, you will get our monthly newsletter. Um, Just give you a heads up what's coming up in the month. So in this particular one, what we have got for this month or what's coming up is that this trivia question will be, uh, the lat will be uh the shirt we're giving away shirt we're giving away a limited edition number four shirt which will be the shit gets real shirt and it will be in the color of your choice for the size that you need if you want to make a present present out of that but i am announcing it officially now for the month of december i will be unlocking all of the limited edition shirts from the vault all of them will be available on our teespring at the lowest possible price and I will be getting y'all a discount code to go along with that. So for Christmas, you All can right, get any any option will be available yep. via the Teespring store. Those will go live on December 1st, and you can get all of them. But for this particular episode, we're giving away a limited edition number four shirt, which is Shit Gets Real. And Johnny, you got it tonight. So give, give, them, give them what they want. I don't have it. 
I'm kidding. All right, so Denham Elliott, who played the evil Dr. Savari in Transmutations, was made famous for his portrayal of what character who was the best friend of Henry Jones? Nobody should need Google for this one. Yeah, this should be obvious. Mm -hmm. Give it to him again. Nope. Oh, come on. You can give it to him again. All right, I'll give it to him again. <sighs> Denholm Elliott, who played the evil Dr. Savory in Transmutations, was made famous for his portrayal of what character who was the best friend of Henry Jones? You know, it, it, the, the way the way it's written, it sounds so, like, downplayed, but this is actually, like, really major. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very curious. That, that I, I would think people should get this quite, you know, get this a lot faster than they're getting it. I'm just saying. Yeah, well, I think the the problem is is the those films aren't horror films, so they may not be, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a it's a reference to the actor. So sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. I know somebody knows this. Yep, this is this is one of the longest. I can't believe somebody hadn't gotten this one already. Yeah, I know, right? Like, Glober Mom must be asleep at the wheel. You know what I'm gonna do? You know what I'm gonna do? And maybe that maybe that people aren't look. Maybe people are looking at. It. I'm gonna up the ante. I'm gonna get instead of the weekend horror number four shirt. I'm gonna give away your choice of shirt. I've learned just like I did last week. Just like I did for no. Just like I did for uh, for a couple weeks ago. Ooh, I don't know, Sir Little Wolf. So you will get. So I'm changing the prize. Your selection, what whichever limited edition shirt you want, one, two, three, or four. I will unlock it specifically for the for the winner tonight. Sir I have got. JL. Does that count? I was asking you. I think so because we took it for we took it for. There's another one we took it for. Just a first name. See, I don't, I don't know because like Jeopardy rules, you have to do at least last name. We're not, we're not Jeopardy. We're not highbrow. We're I'm like you saying that's the standard for trivia. We're like the love, the love game, love connection, where the lady. Was asked what was the weirdest place she ever had, or what was the strangest place that she ever had sex, and then her answer was in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, that was a real episode. That is a real episode. I think it was a love connection or one of those, but yeah, real episode. What is your ideal date? I would say April twenty third because <laughs> <laughs> I'll use a light jacket. Yeah. So okay, okay. Do you think did Sir, did Sir Little Wolf get it? I give it. To, I'll give it to Sir Little Wolf. I think so because he. He mean yeah. 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 yeah look it up. Name. I mean, I'm surprised he didn't put the last name in there, which is interesting. But he did spell it correctly. He did. Yeah, that's why I'm saying. I mean, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, okay, so I, the consent. So the consensus of the panel is that Sir Little Wolf took it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll get Sir Little Wolf. Congratulations, Sir Little Wolf. It was a little weird that you didn't put the last name in there, but yes, it is Marcus Brody from Indiana Jones. Uh, or sorry, from Raiders of the Lost Ark and Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. Yep. So Denholm Elliott played well, the officially. It is now Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. They've like officially changed the title. Okay, well, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Last Crusade. So yes, yeah. it was Marcus Brody. So diminutive guest, Charlie Welch, diminutive canine for the win. We do. Congratulations there. That one took it. That one took a second. I didn't think it was going to be that hard. I thought those names were pretty obvious. Uh, close second, uh, Brennan Riley with Professor Brody from the university. Right. Technically, techni I think he was from the museum. No, was he a professor? Or was he just a museum curator? Um, I thought he was a professor, but I know he was friends with Indiana because he was by you know by you know, association with his father. 
but I thought he was just the curator of the of the, of the museum. Here and yes, it was uh Henry Jones. Henry Jones, yeah, he was Indian. a curator, but he also, I mean, he's, he's a archaeologist, historian, and a lecturer, so he did lecture. Oh, he lectured at the university, okay, so, yeah. So, yes, it was uh Henry Jones's best friend, uh, Henry Jones, Indiana Jones's uh, father, or yeah, Indiana Jones's dad. So, but yes, congratulations to Sir Little Wolf. Uh, let me know, message me. Oops, I hit my, hit my screen there, let me know. Which uh, of the limited edition shirts you want? One, two, three, or four? Message me directly with your size, and we will get the end. Uh, your shipping details, um, so I keep those updated, and I will get, get you, you. Uh, that shipped, uh, shipped out immediately. Uh, Jinju says the plot hole that was on the new newlywed game. game. That's right, right. newlywed game. Yeah, mm-hmm. I knew it was one of those, but still, I mean, it's funny to think about. It. It's a '70s show. <coughs> Perfectly innocent question. Where's the strangest place you got the butt? <laughs> that's fantastic all right well congratulations once again to sir little wolf i think this is i think this is the first time you won something maybe it's not but definitely let me know your shipping it your shipping details and the size shirt you want and which one you want a limited edition one two three or four and don't forget all of the shirts are going live for the month of december uh just to give you guys a heads up on that one so if you want to gift a weekend horror shirt i will make them as low as i possibly can and for those i think for those who are patrons uh, you will get a discount code as well that offers another ten percent off. That will be included in the um, uh, the monthly newsletter. So look forward to that. Awesome. Well, that will bring another episode of Week in Horror to a close. Thank you all so much for listening, and we truly hope you enjoyed the show. Join us next week when we look back at creepy forest horror, Wendigo. Alien Terror in Extro. I'm so looking forward to talking about that one. Going back to the 60s with Village of the Damned and the Outrageous Critters 3, the first film of Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, We'd like to send a special shout out to all of our amazing patrons. You can see their names in the banner below who continue to help us make Weekend Horror the incredible success that it has become. Thank you all so much. We couldn't do it without you. And you know all the cool artwork that we have for the show and our limited edition T-Works. Well, that work is the work of Joshua Olson, who does all of the artwork for Week in Horror. And now he has opened up a store showcasing all of his amazing designs. You can check out Bad Samurai Doc Store to see all of the latest amazing additions to his shop. I'm sure you will find something that you love. Visit us at weekendhorror.net where you can find links to all of our episodes, our bios, our merch store at Teespring, and of course, enter your email for a permanent entry to win a mystery horror shirt every month, courtesy of $6shirts.com. We love those guys. For more horror entertainment, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram where you'll get the daily splatter, a bit of horror movie info every day right to your feed. And please like, subscribe, and smash that bell like someone's head caught in a jigsaw trap for all of the latest updates from the show. And be sure to leave us a comment. The interactions really help us with the dreaded algorithm, a slasher that we cannot escape. And lastly, if you truly love what we do here and you would like to and are able to support our production, you can through our Patreon. We have tiers as low as $1 a month. That is cheaper than a Friday the 13th throwaway victim. Higher tiers get early and special access, bonus content, monthly horror movies, and can even join us as special judges for our bloodbath debates. Check that out at patreon.com slash weekendhorror. But if Patreon is not your preferred cup of blood, you can always support the show through our PayPal as well. Links to all of this including our Discord community where you can find film recommendations, trailers for the movies we've talked about, trivia games, horror watch parties, and even interact directly with us are all in the description below. As always, 
Sharing the show with the friends in your local horror community is the best way you can help us continue to grow. Thank you all so much for being the greatest audience a podcast could fucking have. I am JL. And I'm Eugene. And I'm some fat guy. Johnny O. We'll see you all next week. And as always, stay scared. Oh my God. What was that? Shut the fuck up. Was that Rip Taylor Taylor there? I'm going to eat your whole fucking head. (laughs) 